take every one of those damn things down. See, no, Wesker was my father. Hello and welcome. This is the Infinite Ammo Syndicate, and welcome to this podcast discussion for 2012's Resident Evil 6, uh, some three years after the release of the biggest selling Resident Evil game ever in Resident Evil 5 and a few spin off titles. Uh, Capcom decided to have at it again with the main series, and we got this complicated title i think is a, a fair way to describe it uh, we are being joined by many guests from across the globe to give their valuable insight and expertise in the situation and ren uh and so we shall begin with uh with uh well i'll start with mr ren our lord and savior how are you doing hello everyone uh, we're talking about resident evil 6 today it should be a fascinating discussion considering there's a lot of discourse about this game as opposed to five but we'll get into it as time progresses all right then we've got another list from that so we'll start off with uh mr drillbit lester yeah hey everyone pretty excited for this one and good thing i had time off today to be able to do it right, good stuff uh next up in that we have uh, mr drew marin hello hello can you all hear me vaguely yes you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, hi. This is the first podcast. Uh, I'm here on this one, and I am really into Resident Evil, so I was like, I have to join the Resident Evil one as one of my first podcasts. Yeah, fair enough. Good to have you, man. Uh, next up is thanks. Good to have. Thanks. Yes. Sir. Thanks for having me. I stumbled there. <laughs> anyway, next up is Ginge. Hello. Looking forward to hearing everyone's opinions on this Resident Evil because uh, I agree it is a bit of a complicated game. And next up, we have uh, Ryolu. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, it's Ryolu. Ryolu is it was one of the other. It's coin swap. <laughs> yeah, I, I played Resident Evil Six ages ago. I actually, well, it's all right. It's all right. Damn. Yes. Damn. Well, that's that the most. Subtitle. Damned as faint praise. I, uh, I mean, I guess the most best description i'd give it is it's fun but flawed mm. Mm. fair enough we'll get we'll definitely get there uh still to be joined as well by uh silver crystal from the silver gaming network uh hey there guys silver again here to talk about the most hmm, colorful of resident evil entries so let's get into this thanks for having me again All right and last but no means least zam zara Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, here to talk about some Resident Evil 6. It's been a while since I've played it. I'm actually looking forward to uh, hearing everybody's opinions on it because I'm planning on playing it again soon. So uh, big fan of Resident Evil, um, as I think all of us here are. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what everybody's take on this one is. All right, then. So 
Uh, I suppose we'll start at the beginning. How did you guys come across Resident Evil 6? And ultimately, what drew you to the game? Did you see any trailers for it? Uh, Ginge, why, why do you have a, give us a start here? Um, so I got the game pretty much on release, give or take a day or two. Um, I don't... Uh, it was more of my friends were getting it and I heard it was co-op, so I, I joined in with it. I don't remember seeing a lot of trailers or anything for it early on, like before, I get, before getting it. Um, and I really... I wasn't, I didn't know how to feel about it. <laughs> and then I had a bit of time away from it. Went back and played it again about two years later. Ended up really enjoying it. So it, it's, a, it's a different, difficult one for me. Um, but yeah, that's how I came across it anyway. Playing it with friends. <laughs> Good place to start. Hmm. For me, it was actually... It was an interesting one because in some ways I have fond memories of finding this game initially and picking it up. For, for quick reference, I found it through, oh, I saw a lot of the, tra the trailers that were bouncing around and I saw some of Leon's gameplay and I was like, okay, this, this segment where we're going through what looks to be like a university campus, this right here is looking pretty good. And I also suppose I fondly remember picking it up. The opinion will change drastically as we go through this podcast. Fair warning. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I picked it up. And it was one of the first Resident Evil games. In fact, it was the first Resident Evil game I was old enough to pick up myself. So I made a conscious effort to go and grab it on release day, brought it home and experienced it and that is all i will say for now uh, i guess i can go real quick um i think i was there from the very beginning when they revealed the no hope left trailer and they sort of um no it wasn't a trailer it was like just advertising all over the place because people were wondering like what is no hope left why is it on each and every insignia in like certain places in real life and what are they advertising and then eventually i think it was leaked that it was going to be resident evil 6 so the first trailer came out and i thought it was pretty amazing i i really like the dark setting of uh you know leon still roaming around cityscapes and i i like the idea that chris was also in this game and they were going to have an encounter uh, that's one of the first things that stood out like when are they going to actually meet each other and that was the big draw of the game uh, so I was excited at first and then I actually played it and I feel like it was an all right experience but there's things we're going to delve into that I don't like about this game uh, overall though it was a big phenomenon coming off the heels of RE5 pretty impressive and I can't wait to, like, really delve into the combat and things like that. I suspect I'm probably one of the, the odd ones out here. I didn't touch this game even remotely after it came out. I had uh, only just started my YouTube channel, I think, about a year before this came out and was of the idea I wanted to go through the Resident Evil games. So when 6 came out, I deliberately decided not to play the game. I deliberately decided to just ignore it as best I could, not get involved in any of the plot. So that eventually, some point down the line, I'd be able to play the game blind for the channel and record it. I didn't realize it would take me seven years to do that. <laughs> uh, that's just kind of how it um, turned out. And it's 
it's weird um you know this game for all its thoughts and bits and pieces and what i liked and dislike it it, it does hold it will hold a permanent memory for me now for the rest of my life um as i did record this ultimately uh with the help of my good friend cm Fury, who as i mentioned in the previous podcast uh died a couple of weeks or so ago um, who did great work with editing everything for us um you know it took us up nearly about six months to do the entire game from start to finish get everything ready and rocking and rolling so it was an absolute huge feat um so yeah unfortunately my thoughts of this game are going to be forever tied with that um for better or worse i don't haven't quite worked out yet <laughs> um but uh that's that's kind of my backstory it didn't play it for ages finally got to play it with a good friend um and uh that's how i'll probably remember it uh i could jump in yeah so um i like you shadow didn't play it right away i i played it maybe six years after it came out uh in 2018 um i was doing a <clears throat> full series playthrough of the resident evil games on my twitch channel and I started at zero, just played through them chronologically as far as uh, the games go. Um, and I only did the main mainline games. I didn't do any spinoffs or side stories. But oh, Code um, Veronica, oh. <laughs> uh, Code Veronica holds a special place in my heart. So I, I okay. feel you. Okay. But yeah, so <laughs> crisis so, averted. Yeah, yeah, crisis averted. Um, so yeah, I ended up playing it after after going through five again, and I I think I'm one of the few. Uh, that that still really doesn't care for five very much. Um, I I didn't I I don't really like it when when Resident Evil goes that action route. Um, so um, while there are things about Resident Evil Six that I do like, there there's a lot that I don't like. Um, but um, I I think that it, the fact that it took me six years to play kind of gives you an idea of how I I felt about it from the trailers from all the articles and it's and length everything yeah everything about it um it just it just took me forever to get to so yeah that's kind of where i i'm on it um i wasn't I, I thought the trailers were cool um it was kind of interesting to see it go on like a world scale and it was i, I was cautiously optimistic about it as i am most things that kind of change with series that i love um but yeah this one i don't think turned out uh on the optimistic side. Anyone else want to take this question before we move on? Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could take on. Okay. But yeah, funny enough is that I I think it's because the first RE game I played was 4, and then jumped on to 5, and then I saw 6 was coming out and thought, oh, that's cool. I, I remember it was on... Didn't like it have a demo with Dragon's Dogma? I don't remember yeah. this actually, but if it did, I it would did. be surprised. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember some people were saying, "Oh, why does Capcom have to lock the demo behind Dragon's Dogma?" But so I, I think they did release it publicly anyway, so it's whatever. But yeah, I thought it was going to be really cool because you could play yeah, three, like you had like three different paths, and they were going back to more horror oriented. And yeah, it had me really excited. And honestly, I don't, I actually like the game despite its flaws. Although, yeah, it isn't perfect. But yeah, it doesn't have to be. I always remember those trailers with Leon, like. You know, that one where you shot the president, I was like, oh shit, that's pretty huge. 
And then, yeah, you could see shit was going down. I was going to say, this was in the era as well of like all the Resident Evil CG films that have been coming out. Uh, I think Damnation came out the same year as this, if memory serves. Yes, I think so. I think so. so. Yeah, I mean, in terms of CG movies, I never went past like Degeneration, so I didn't Pretty keep up best. with those. <laughs> Damnation was fun. I, I finally enjoyed it. Anyways, anyways, uh, anyone else? Um, um, was the was the question oh, how we got into Resident Evil Six? Is, is that yeah 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 yeah? How did how did, yeah. you, how did you come across it? Did you played the series before? Was it your first one? God help you. Um, I, I I I'd have to give a little bit of context, but um, my first Resident Evil was Resident Evil Four, um, because I'm the type of person who like can't I I can't really jump into the middle of a series despite starting four, but my friend was saying, oh, this is like a a soft reboot in the sense you don't have to really know the previous games to enjoy four. So I played that and then I was like, oh, I, I really want to know all the other stuff. And then I played one through three and then five was like the, the climax of the story at that time. And then, so six for me was um, I wanted to see this entire series up to this point has been a building up umbrella and Wesker and then just finished it. So everything up to before six was, in my mind, the first saga. So for me going into six, I was thinking, what's this new saga? What are they going to start to build up now? Um, who's going to be the villain of the series going forward? So when I played six, I was hoping to see those elements in future games, which we didn't really see. Um, but in, in terms of you know, just starting the game, because I'm sure that what I was about to talk about would be relevant for later questions. But I got into six when it came out because I was on the hype train of just finishing the first arc um, in a smaller time frame than everyone else, because everyone else probably, or at least the fans probably played it as they were releasing. And for me, I played um, like four when it came out, then everything up to five and then five all within that amount of a few years. And so I jumped into six thinking I was going to get even more. And well, what I got, we can talk about. <laughs> throughout this podcast well that, that's fair now you bring up a really good point actually about like the whole kind of the, the plot shift we will touch upon that later mm -hmm. on don't worry about that that's a really good point i yeah, do just um, want to oh, sorry no go ahead go ahead uh, no i was gonna no i was just gonna say yeah um like i said i had imagined it i mean i love the idea of sagas and arcs um and that might just be because I was big into Dragon Ball Z when it came out, and I would go onto Funimation's website and be like, oh, the whatever saga, the Frieza saga, this saga, that saga. So the idea of sagas and, and the story they encapsulate and the villain that represents them, to me, I was like, all right, everything up to this point was the first saga of Resident Evil, with Wesker being the titular villain. Well, not titular because he's not in the title, but... Um, so I was looking forward to the next saga, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Just something I want to actually support Shadow with here as well. Um, I have recently been playing this with one of my channel mods, and yes, I'm going to support what you said 110% here. Playing it with somebody else makes it a different experience and a more positive experience, which I will get into more detail as we go along. Just wanted to add that in. Yes. Mm, That's fair, definitely yeah. a nicer experience when you're playing it with somebody. Mm. So uh, yeah, uh, sorry, could I just jump in? I'm sorry, yeah, I'm probably side noting here. Um, agreeing with the pair of you, pain, pain with 
people it, it does make it a completely almost a completely different game like feel feel of it um like i said i've played it with friends when i first got it and then i had a bit of a break from it and then i then i made more friends and they hadn't played it and i was like oh you've got to you know and I, I'll, I'll play it with you and i jumped in with it and it, it was it was like i'd played it again for the first time because it had been kind of so long and it was so fresh again and it was nice but yeah i do kind of agree with you guys playing it with people does make it more fun and more interesting kind of mm. it's just I everyone mean, i think everyone's everyone's over sheva i think they had their sheva time like now nah, i'm doing this again my <laughs> favorite co-op with <laughs> resident evil was always the mercenaries and it just disappeared after six and was never the same yeah pretty much all right then uh if that's everyone uh, I I haven't gone. Oh, my apologies. There's a lot of peeps. I do apologize. Uh, I I understand. Uh, well, I never saw any of the trailers for Resi Six. Um, my first experience with Resident Evil was Resident Evil Two, which uh my dad got me into. Though when I first played it, I was about like eight or nine, <laughs> so pretty young. Um, and like it was. I hadn't played any Resident Evil game for years after 2, and, like, I just happened to, like, when I was in a game store, see Resident Evil 6, and I was like, oh, damn, they're still going with Resident Evil games? So I picked it up, found out it was co-op, so uh, me and my dad played it together. Absolutely enjoyed playing it. We were having a lot of fun, and I, I happened to actually kind of enjoy, like, the story and the gameplay. But, yeah. <laughs> no, no uh, worries. Uh-huh? No, no worries, that's right. Cheers, man. <laughs> that, that's right, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, all right, okay, cool. Everyone's there. So uh, we'll move on. So, yes, as we've mentioned many times, uh, this game is huge. Uh, basically kind of combining four separate campaigns into one massive title, uh, telling itself as the longest and most feature-rich Resident Evil game they'd ever made. Did this work? Uh, can I go real quick on this one? By all means. So, yep. it definitely is a thing for better and worse, in my opinion. The worst comes from the campaigns. After a while, you start to feel like things drag on, and I, I don't necessarily have a problem with longer games, but there is some chapter disparity in the fact that there are some chapters in this game that are not that great. If you go from Jake having the snowmobile to awesome sections of like uh, the ending for Chris, it's definitely a clear disparity between what's quality and what's not quality in RE6. And I think what they tried to do is try so many ideas, vehicle sections, turret sections underwater all types of stuff and some of it is okay and the rest is just it feels like it's way too tacked on and they tried to do something new and it didn't really catch on uh so but for the better i would say the game is great in the fact that for the lingering co-op modes which we'll talk about later they are awesome i i don't have any problem with those modes except for survivors if you're looking for some fun co-op 
good times this is the game to play when they built upon the mercenaries and decided to put in other modes for re6 so you will like that i i feel as though they were super ambitious they had a dream but overall i would say some of the content leaves a lot of room to be desired yeah i mean i think it gets it ends up getting a little long in the tooth especially um and with long games uh, i i don't also have a problem with long games but to your point it's just the stuff starts getting reused too so you're just playing the same fight with a different character whether it's that i think it's the one with leon and helena and then also jake and sherry show up and you end up depending on which campaign you're playing you're playing that same part from both sides and they do that all the time uh at the end with with the sniping and you're either sniping or you're on the other the opposite side fighting the beast or or simmons or whatever um but yeah it's just i I think the fact that they use keep like reuse stuff in the later campaigns if they were all their own standalone stuff with all fresh content and i understand they want to have stuff cross over and characters meet up but having you replay the exact same sequences multiple times throughout the campaigns especially after you've done a lot of it through leon's campaign it just gets a lot really boring and repetitive in, in my eyes um and i think that's to its detriment uh so yeah i'll throw in a quick stat here just uh, i just going on to the uh, how long to beat uh site you type in resident evil 6 it estimates probably anywhere between 20 and 25 hours to beat the main game mm. that is enormous yeah, yeah. Uh, and absolutely, the, especially considering Resident Evil Five was what maybe eight to ten. Yeah, most most Resident Evil games are under twelve, like twelve yeah. at most. Twelve is a big Resident Evil game, so yeah. to double that for six is nuts. Yeah, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, as a, oh, sorry, sorry, go on. Let's go on to as, as a reference point, just um quickly talking time. I'll, I'll as somebody who's still in the middle of a playthrough at present at present. I'll I'll give you a reference point. Me and um me and my mod uh we've finished Leon's Jake and Cherry's and we are now third chapter of Chris's campaign. That has taken us about eighteen hours over six different live streams, and we still have two more chapters of Chris's to go and all of Ada's. So it's going to be a long experience. And yeah, just just supporting what was said about typically a long Resident Evil game been about, you know, 12 hours. My average playtime for a Resident Evil 4 would be 13. So this game is colossal, just as like an an active point of reference for somebody who's playing it at the moment. It's big. It's really big. I think the issue I always had with it, and I I said about a lot when I was doing the the recordings and with live with the friend, you know, like, I do feel that the game, like, I've always considered Resident Evil 6 is a bit of an identity crisis in that I don't think they ever quite decided what they wanted this game to be. A lot of Resident Evils at least have made an assessment and a decision about what exactly they're going to try to be. Be it RE5's action horror, be it, you know, RE4's kind of more whatever the hell you want to call Resident Evil 4. Uh, but 6 kind of obviously went for the, we'll have a little bit of everything sort of thing, but... Um, the problem is, you do that, I think you lose a lot of focus in what you're attempting to do, and that ends up resulting in just having loads and loads of flab 
on your campaigns, on your levels, lots of kind of doing stuff for the sake of doing it. Uh, you know, Resident Evil has got some really cool set pieces and some really cool sections, but there's so much I feel like you could have just trimmed out of this game, um, taken like at least a couple hours probably out of every one of the campaigns, and I think it would have been more than functional, uh, if not perhaps improved. There's just so much like intercity fighting and just going through buildings you've got the whole tower sequence for um chris and jake uh you've got the whole temple stuff with with sherry and whatnot it is to me it felt like there was so much stuff that was kind of there but didn't really serve much of a purpose other than kind of just like filling time which is not something resident Evil six needed to do yeah it doesn't feel like they said no to anything when they were developing it yeah they were asked no do you think uh should we take uh uh chris uh chris and jake um or chris and peers even through this underwater section or do you think we should focus our time on uh the airplane section of leon Lane? and their response was yes (laughs) (laughs) it's like let's make let's make big dinosaur man transform into five thousand creatures and let's just do this it's like ah i i (laughs) wish i just wish it was more focused to this game with all the bloat and fat to the game uh it definitely could be shaved uh down to a couple of hours i I think a lot of people said it best if it was only just two campaigns but like super focused on making those like quality like between chris and leon then i think this would have been a very different experience but one that would have worked in that sense because here's two of the biggest characters in re as heroes like teaming up and doing other things on their own accord in their own chapters I think the issue as well is that I think on the face of it, if you don't know the game much, you don't realize how enormous it is as well. Like, you know, you think of like a Dark Souls, at least you know going into it that you're in for the long haul. Whereas this game, it's like you're playing for the campaign and it just keeps going. And it just keeps going. It just keeps going. And you finally finish one. Like, oh, great. Oh, my God, there's three more. Oh, no. <laughs> and it just it's like dread. You know, it's like cold shivers down your spine. You realize just how long this game is. And I, I didn't realize, I, I knew how long the game could be before I did my series. And then I got into it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, how are we still going with this? How have we not killed this main bad guy yet and won the day? Like, really? Ugh. Yeah, I, I feel that because, um, yeah, um, trying to coordinate a game of this length that goes on for this long with a, with a friend who works in retail has not proved to be a very easy experience. <laughs> it has not proved to be very easy at all. And and just something else I want to add to discussions of the length of the uh, plot. By virtue of it being that long, it feels like, you know, certain storylines fall by the wayside or just drop off the map in in just like the wider scope of things because you're just trying to cram everything in at once one key point that comes to mind here is i won't go into too much detail i'm just going to mention it as a point of reference because each we're going to be discussing each campaign as we go along it's very uh, sorry i almost called it jerry and shake then because that was our nickname on stream <laughs> for them, jerry and shake sorry yeah sherry and jerry universe that's exactly. gonna be the new Netflix. Can we change it to that? That's gonna be the new Netflix Resident Evil series. Yeah, Jerry and Jake. <laughs> no, my brother thing he wants. Never mind. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, sorry, let me get it back on track again. My brain. Let's try it again, yes. Yeah, I'll try again. The the parts where they get captured by Neo Umbrella, and then it's just like, oh yeah, six-month time skip. They just wake up in a facility. You don't really know what's been going on. They've just been, um, presumably, well, it's stated that they've just been poked and prodded with sharp things and experimented on for six months, but no more reference to it than that. Their plot just drops off the map for six months. And nothing is really mentioned of it apart from that. Because of pacing and plot. <laughs> so, mm. it's, it's very much all over the place. Definitely. <sighs> Anyone else? Right. <clears throat> I think I could say a few things. <laughs> but yeah, honestly... But yeah, honestly, it could have been shorter. I think they probably could have cut out some filler, but I didn't, I guess, it don't mind the length too much. But yeah, I can see why some people think that it's too long, especially with like the levels that intersect with each other. Mainly because, but mainly because they wanted to do the whole uh, four-player thing. Which was a cool idea on paper, but I, I don't think I ever got... I think maybe I only got it working one time, and that was, like, on launch day. So, yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it also, as well... I think also, like, game... Uh, just everything just loses focus. The plot, uh, sort of the game, the direction, the characters, just kind of meander. It's just... You know, it'd be fair, like they had a lot of cool stuff in the game. You know, they kind of like were playing around with kind of like contextualizing a little bit and like, you know, acting around others and how melee works. They changed around and kind of the the stamina system and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so it wasn't like they weren't trying to add things in, but yeah. when it's just on top of everything else you've already got. Yeah, I mean, you, in this one, this is the first one you're able to move and shoot for the first time. So that's that's a big plus. Um and and I think I think Resident Evil uh, getting away from maybe the idea of uh, the, talking about the length of the game, but just the idea that, you know, they leaned into the action more for this one. Um, you know, the explosions are bigger. The set pieces are bigger. Uh, there's more enemies. Uh, there's a lot more shooting in this one, uh, a lot more gunplay. Um, and I, I think they listened to the criticisms and they listened to the fan base and were able to, you know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, come up with Resident Evil 7 and lean back into that horror a little bit more. And same with Resident Evil 8. I don't think we would get Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8 without 6 happening at all. Um, and kind of the the divisiveness of the of the game uh within the community and within the critic community too um it's just something that they the without that you know they could have just kept going down this action path and you know resident evil might be a totally different game if resident evil 6 didn't fail as spectacular as spectacularly as it did i mean it's sold well. Sure, it's a financial success. It's a, you know, people have fun with it because they get to play with friends. And I don't think without that co-op, it would even be talked about today. It would be, you know, it would be like an outbreak or, or something along those lines. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the fact that you get to play with people, I, I've never played the game co-op and I'm interested to try it at some point. I never even played Resident Evil 5 co-op because in my eyes, I started in Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil is a single-player experience. That's how you're supposed to play them. Um, but 
I, I think hearing you all talk about playing co-op and, and having fun with it, uh, I think that's the way to probably experience this game. And maybe at that point, in, unless you're filming content for it or something, it probably doesn't feel nearly as long because you're having fun with a friend goofing off in a game. Um, so maybe that adds to it. If you if you didn't play it co-op, it probably isn't as good of a game as if you did play it co-op because of all the memories that come with that. So what you're saying is you think this game had to fall on its sword for the benefit of the series? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, it probably definitely did. I mean, if you if you look at the, the chronology of Resident Evil, like in 2012 alone, you had Revelations that came out in January. You had Raccoons, Operation Raccoon City which came out like in March, April, May sort of time. Resident Evil 6 then came out in October. There's three Resident Evil games in the space of about eight months. And then it would be a whole three years until uh, Revelations 2 would finally hit the uh, finally hit the screens. That's astonishing. Yeah, I think they were really trying to, to cement Resident Evil out there. Um, you know, you figure Operation Raccoon City multiplayer game. They expected people to be playing that for a while. They whetted people's appetite with Revelations and that had its 3D gimmick on 3DS. Um, and then you come out with Resident Evil 6, this beefy 25 hour co-op game like they were they were really trying to cement Resident Evil in that time period. Um, and while Revelations is pretty decent, I, I think we could all agree that it's at least decent. Uh, uh, Operation Raccoon City, I think, fell on its face. And Resident Evil 6 was just like I said, like I, we've been saying is kind of like it's good, but it's not great. Fair. Just, just gonna add one little thing there. Operation Raccoon City fell on its face and broke both its legs. <laughs> I feel like that's appropriate to add. I don't but, think yeah. we ever went in depth with that game. That's something that should happen because I, I have some affinity to like go back and play it on normal. I don't know why because they put it on a uh, Xbox for backwards oh. compatibility. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but it's one of the I only Resident Evil games I've not yet played, so I do have to do it eventually. I will join. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, think man. about it. There's only think three about games it. I've never, two think I've only ever never played was this an Umbrella. Call. I've played every other one at this point, which is insane. Even Gaiden, even oh. Gaiden. <laughs> Anyways, so um, with all that, uh, just kind of lead into our, our next part is talk about like the actual gameplay um, of Resident Evil Six compared to its predecessor, RE Five. Um, do you think it changed very much? Uh, do you think it improved, regressed, better, worse? It was too different. <laughs> it improved and um, whatever the opposite of improve is that I can't think of the word. Improved. I mean, uh, Resident Evil had always been about tank controls up to that point, and four and five still had the tank controls, but the camera was behind the shoulder, so it really wasn't it, like it didn't feel like tank controls so much. It just felt like you're typical third-person shooter. And when they switched the controls so that back had your character actually turn around, um, it just messed up the whole flow for me, personally. Um, and certain things I see they did to improve that actually, like, felt off to me. And the, my best... Because when I, I would play the Mercenaries a lot in 4 and 5. So when you play the Mercenaries in 6 you start to notice all the little things that um, maybe 
ab like abuse the system in a sense. Um, so for example, you go up next to a ladder and um, you can press the button to climb the ladder. And so you kind of just sit by the ladder. And when somebody goes to attack you, you press the button and you know you just you're invincible because you're climbing up the ladder. That wasn't in six because in six you go near the ladder, they latch onto the ladder. So you couldn't really hang out near um, places that you would press a button to do something. So it just changed up the gameplay in that sense for me. I couldn't hang out by a ladder uh, and bait an enemy, or I couldn't um, I couldn't really hang near walls either because they would start to cling to the walls with that cover system. So the things they tried to introduce improved in some aspects, but it also took it away in other aspects if you used those things. Um, I just felt like I was constantly being pulled to the wall because <laughs> they implemented that covering system. Like, oh, I'm going to go next to this wall, and all of a sudden I'm my back is against the wall. Like, no, get, get off the wall. <laughs> I will admit, I so. think the cover system was a bit weird that Resident Evil decided to, you know, incorporate Gears of War mechanics into its video mm -hmm. games. Always seemed I a bit don't... out of place to me. I don't think Resident Evil needed that. I mean, I appreciate it. Um, Gunfights with zombies. I mean, how else well, do you do it? The, yeah, I mean, the weird thing is, I hate to say Resident Evil was about zombies, um, because it was. Like, that's what made it famous. But it's not called, like, Resident Zombie. And in fact, it's all about bio. Like, it's, it is biohazard. <laughs> So, I mean, they're still within their umbrella of what they quote-unquote promised Resident Evil is, but we all associate it with zombies. So when they start running around with weapons and stuff, you're like, it kind of worked in 4 because, like, oh, these aren't really, this is a completely different thing. And then they started reintroducing the virus again, or a virus, mm. and so they kind of mixed the idea. 6 was kind of like a blend of old and new it was um here's your zombies that you liked and here's the action you liked in the more modern titles enjoy and like I, I don't i don't really know how to describe it but people pick which game they like the most based on their preference if they like the slow zombies or the fast uh weapons and six was like take it all so people who preferred one over the other didn't enjoy as much certain sections of the games. I mean, if, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so they really like introduced new ideas, but those new ideas were also somewhat of a detriment in other respects. And I mean, personally, I enjoyed it because I liked Resident Evil, but I still felt like, oh, you know, I, I see it. Like, I can't uh, abuse the system to like pick up this item on the ground or. And I think in six he still had that, but there were there were certain like environmental interactions. That's like the word I was looking for. Hmm. Environmental interactions were so different in six that it took away in some respects because you know you're playing a game and they want you to be like, oh, you're not playing a game. You go near a ladder, you're gonna climb up the ladder. <laughs> so, like, I I don't really know how to explain it without just repeating myself. But they added things that were supposed to help that kind of helped in the campaign but in the mini games and in replaying and other difficulties it kind of took away from it um it just felt like a different game i didn't feel like you were playing resident evil it just felt like you were playing an action game which i mean if it didn't have resident evil on the title and it was just called generic biohazard army men then you'd be like 
oh, this is a pretty cool game. <laughs> I think we're on to a winner here, to be honest. What was that? <laughs> I think we're on to a winner. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you, you, you get a Capcom, we will take royalty checks. Yeah. <laughs> what did I, wait, what did I call it? Gen a generic generic, generic biohazard army men. Army men. Yeah. 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 I was going to add a number in. I was gonna say six. <laughs> I was gonna say six, but it really was the first. So yeah, generic biohazard much. army. I mean, the end of four and some of five was was the um was the beta for generic biohazard army man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave it at that. I mean, yeah. I loved the mercenaries. Um, and the mercenaries in six just felt like a different kind of mercenaries because of of what I was saying. Like I played the mercenaries 3D and they had um, some equipable e equipable skills that were meant to be like the old mechanics of a um, like use use an item and you won't take damage for a second. Um, so they took those old mechanics from five and and pre five. Um, into mercs 3d and they were like these are now skills which would have been cool if they did that in six like here's an equipable item that like if you're near a ladder you have to press the button or something like that um which would have been interesting but obviously that wasn't even a thought no just um oh, no i was gonna say quickly We've mentioned the game's cover system. There's there's two things I kind of want to segue into since one of them has already been mentioned and another one I, I do want to give a bit of a appreciation to. The cover system feels in this game very it feels a bit broken to me. Like mm. I'm going to completely agree when somebody said earlier sticking to walls. That was me, I, baby. Yeah, you you get this feeling of just yeah you you stick to the cover yet at the same time with the button prompts and commands it just I don't ever feel like I'm aiming properly or I'm aiming concisely half the time it's just better especially when you're playing as Chris because it's more the amusement mm -hmm. factor to just run into there with a machine gun and go boo ya motherfuckers and shoot people. Mm -hmm. so. I do want to say um, that despite the criticisms, I still like this game. Like, I haven't really played a Resident Evil game that I'm like, oh, I can't play this. Um, certainly there are some that I'm like, I love more than others. And six, again, my approach to Resident Evil was I played almost all the games. All the, I played all the main games right before five. So to me, I played them all in one burst. Mm. Um, so I didn't have like... A decade or however long ago i don't know i'm just guessing when i say a decade I, I i didn't have that length of time from playing the first one all the way up till six as they were as they released so my perspective might be different than someone else or it is different than someone else who who has played every game as it came out and was expecting it to be what they've been playing for years and years and years for me it was like oh here's this one now i'm playing this one now i'm playing this one and i'm like seeing how they're all similar and different so when I jumped into six, I was just like, oh, this is just, again, a little bit different. Um, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't, that doesn't mean it was perfect. I mean, again, it had, uh, it was stick to wall simulator. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my impression uh, of six, well, I, so I played it, it felt like it was more, it wasn't really, it was more Resident Evil 15th anniversary. That's how I always felt about the game because it just had all these different pieces. And it was obviously a deliberate attempt to have 
Here's a little bit of old school, kind of more of a horror Here's some Resident Evil 5 with just crazy action and shooting dudes, you know. Then you've got mm. Jake's campaign, which is like Resident Evil Free Light with, like, you know, the Nemesis sort of stuff. And then Ada's campaign is... Mm -hmm. Whatever Ada's campaign was meant to be, I don't actually really know what it was meant to be at all. It's a mystery. Yeah, actually, you're on you're onto something where I've noticed this before, and I haven't really said this. It seemed like Capcom was thinking, okay, we have so many different types of Resident Evil games now. We have the old school ones that are about surviving against zombie survival horror. Horror. We have four and five that are very much against like the Ganados and Magini with the Plagas, and um, Ada's was like. Well, there was, was it called desperate? Not desperate ways or separate ways. Separate ways. Separate ways. Thank separate you. Separate ways. ways. Um, it had its kind of like spy feel to it, even though it pretty much mm -hmm. was Resident Evil Four. It had a little bit more of a spy action feel to it. So, I think what they were doing with Six was they were kind of testing the waters to see, um, like, okay, these are all the different types of gameplays we've had throughout Resident Evil. Uh, for Leon and Helena, it was the survival horror i mean they're all survival horror but you know what i mean with like the, the zombies and um this i mean they weren't slow moving but you know what i mean they're, they're yeah. emulating the old school uh raccoon city games and then um chris and Piers was emulating the um four four and five with the uh slow moving people with axes and stuff and then um uh, uh, why can't I think of it? Jerry and Sh Jerry and Sh yeah, Jerry oh, and Shake again. Uh, you got forever, that in my head. Forever now, now I'm just always gonna say Jerry and Shake. Jerry and Shake. Ah, Jerry it. and Shake. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we had Jerry and Shake. Their campaign was the um, idea of being chased, which I don't remember the time frame of years, but Dead Space Two. I don't know if it came out before or after. But I feel like I forget the name of the monster, but there was that necro, whatever they're called, uh, towards the end where you couldn't kill it and it kept following you. And I think that that was probably based on Nemesis. So maybe around that time, games or, or horror, ga horror games were like, oh, we should have uh, an unstoppable enemy chasing you. And so there was that type of survival horror in there. And then Ada's was the... Uh... <laughs> I almost said desperate ways again. The uh, I'm just gonna say desperate ways. <laughs> yeah, it is desperate ways. Uh, your Metal Gear, um, mystery man, woman. Yeah, so I think they they really were like, oh, you like survival horror, huh? We'll just take it all, <laughs> and they just threw it into six. Yeah, it was yeah, like, you tell yeah. us what you like. Yeah, more is better. I think that was the that was their their theory. More, <laughs> I don't think it worked out as better, but there we go. And you know, yeah. I liked and sort of dis I mean obviously it has flaws but I liked that I don't know but that's just me again my perspective was different I didn't come into 6 with years upon years of playing Resident Evil I I had come in like I played almost all the games between 4 and 5's release and I was sitting there like all right 6 is coming out this is going to be awesome uh, and it came out and it was like bigger than the other games but so it had its flaws so I so I had a, a quick opinion on this. Um, yeah. I I feel as though the gameplay definitely is like you said, where it's improved the areas and regressed in others, namely being the cover system. But uh, there is some good in there. Like I did like the melee system. Uh, some people were kind of oh, yeah. on the fence about how it handled like stamina and everything with the melee system, but 
I thought it was pretty cool for what it was. You could do all these power bombs, DDT suplexes. I know it's ridiculous for Ari. It's Sanders, just you're in a you're in a wrestling fan. It's it's just <laughs> yeah. If you're a wrestling fan, you're gonna love this game. Uh, so oh yeah, brother. Oh yeah. Uh, no, Josh got these zombies, brother. <laughs> But I, I I really did like what they tried to do with it, where you could, you know, shoot them in the leg, you could do a slide, stun them, and then you could hit them with, like, a special finisher. Uh, so one of the things that this game was really good at is that and the movement, I feel, because finally you can move and shoot, which is something that, you know, should have been done ages ago in the mainline timeline. And then uh, you could slide, roll, do all these crazy maneuvers. I, I, I think, though that my main problem with some of the gameplay is the disparity like you guys mentioned where some of it works and some of it doesn't and then them overdoing the quick time events where once again uh, this game where you have to climb on the rope and it was like pre-patched and you had to constantly press the buttons and hold on at the same time while being on the rope was kind of counterintuitive as well as uh just any motions at all with the wiggling of the analog sticks which i thoroughly hate it because after a while that shit really starts to hurt your fingers <laughs> so i'm like i'm trying to escape this maneuver i have to keep wiggling the analog sticks i think there's an actual song of this on youtube called hammer sticks where it's like hammer really? the buttons <laughs> yeah ham hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks that's what resident evil 6 was in the quick time events and when you do stuff like that it just starts to get very annoying. So I can see why people don't like that aspect of the game. I'm going to totally back you up in the uh, QTE aspect here. I've said it in several podcasts now, slow hand reactions because muscular condition. And six, it feels like, again, I, I have that you know, predisposition there. But six feels egregious, like... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop calling him a mod and just say Jonathan. Jonathan had to do most of those in our streams because they're just so fast I could not keep up in terms of like finger reactions and like moving the sticks quick enough. So it was just mm, it was pretty egregious at points. I feel like it's the low point for QTEs out of the more action focused games four, five, and six. It feels like a low point to me, not a high point in terms of its execution. Anybody else get that feeling, or just me, maybe? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing to write home about, in my opinion. I, I, think, I think 5 just... You could say 5 and 4. They were there, of course, and I know people have their, like, sort of reservations about them, but they, they also... some cool moments. Yeah, but they had some cool moments, and they weren't as QT-heavy, so to speak, as this one. Like, it, it felt like this game overdid it in a sense which is probably the most annoying part about it um resident evil 6 is like just a symptom of trying to overdo certain things because they thought they worked in the last two games really efficiently so let's take it to the max and see what we could do with it and sometimes that could work and other times it just doesn't yeah, yeah. A, a good a good analogy for that would be four is like oh, okay a new idea Let's roll with it. Let's go down this road. Let's accelerate. Five's like, foot down. Let's get the speed moving. Six is like, oh god, the brakes have gone out and we're going off the edge of a cliff. Somebody help us. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you got, 
Well, you gotta, you know, got the keys and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Def definitely sharing the appeal, um, the opinion of the combat being better. And one point that I do want to bring up that I don't think anybody's brought up yet in terms of gameplay. One of the biggest issues I had, and I've come to realize now replaying this as I have been, one of my biggest issues with this game was the really sort of poorly balanced ammo situation. And I, I want to give a, a point mm. of reference here. Leon's, that was meant to be the more horror-focused game experience, you're flooded with ammunition. In fact, you've got so much ammunition that you don't know what to do with it all. Chris, which is the really gun-heavy sort of like focused segment of the game, I must have gone 30 minutes into a chapter before I'd amassed about 80 rounds of submachine gun. Thankfully, these issues are mitigated by playing it co-op because as I learned firsthand, you don't share the same ammo pool. You both get separate drops, so it's less of an issue. But ammo felt really unbalanced. Did anybody else get that feeling or was it just me? It was yes. a bit all over the place. Um, yeah, I, I will agree. Um, I think that like having the ammo separate, I I kind of preferred that um, to what it was. But I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I I would definitely say yeah. It was a bit. Your mileage could definitely vary, especially on higher difficulties. Like you you could like you almost felt like there was RNG playing into quite heavily into what you'd end up finding and how far you'd make it. To yeah, unless never you unless you use a skill to just you know increase your rate. Yeah. And yeah, that's wonder, kind of wonder, wonder how it would be like to try no hope with that. <laughs> Not <laughs> you, for me, brother. You can't. No, thank you. You can't because um, no hope. I think has no skills at all, so you have like no assistance there whatsoever. Yeah. So you're basically just left default. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ren, you ever try to beat No Hope? I have actually. I have a No Hope playthrough with Leon on the channel, and I could say that this mode is absolute balls. Um, Wait, what's No Hope? No Hope is the hardest mode in Resident Evil 6, and it's basically like if you get grabbed or hit, you lose three bars of health, maybe four. So you, you could get down like really quickly and it's not so bad when you're playing with Chris because uh, you could deal with the enemies from a distance or you could uh, stun them and do all the crazy wrestling moves like the Juavo as they call them are easier to predict but the zombies are just next level if they they will jump leap bite so uh, no hope is the hardest if you're dealing with zombies. A good analogy for No Hope, even though I've I've not played it myself, it would be physically impossible for me to play. My hands would just not let me do it. A good analogy for No Hope is the game is going in raw. Grab the sheets, pray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Moving that's, swiftly that's on. That's pretty much it. I wanted to say something about Resident Evil 6 uh, story. I don't know when say that um are, are we going to talk about the story later oh uh, yes, yes. we're, we're going to get into it uh, okay pretty all right yeah okay so, um, i just didn't want to tangent um nah, no, so I'll, I'll talk about it later yeah, we're, we're, we're probably about to, to get there to be honest I was, um, game. I, I was just wanting to talk about the uh like 
the analog thing that was being talked about earlier. Um, with that, uh, like having to, you know, fiddle with the analog stick for those freaking things. I actually got friction burn on my hand so bad that I had to wait a couple of days for it to heal to go back on. Yikes. <laughs> the old Mario Party syndrome. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I, think anything could ever beat the first Mario Party on the N64. <laughs> like, to the point where they actually had to give you gloves or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hold my beer. <laughs> which moments, um... Did you get burn from the analog stick? Uh, I think it was um during like the section in like uh Sherry and Jake's uh first chapter where they're fight where you're with Chris and uh mm -hmm. Piers and you're fighting those two big BOWs. There were some like analog bits on that when you're having to fight those that you just mm -hmm. had to go absolutely ham on them to you know actually get it. Yeah. That is the bit I could not do. Yeah. And not only that, the the analog sticks are... I don't know if anybody else has noticed this on a PS5 controller. The analog sticks yeah. feel really flimsy. So if I go if I go balls to the wall, I don't want to break my new expensive controller because controllers <laughs> are getting more expensive. Mm. Yeah, not for Resident Evil 6. Don't break it for this game. I, I'm, no, I'm, no bloody, I'm bloody glad that I'm now a PC gamer. <laughs> That's I don't know. I, I I played this on controller though, so I feel the pain. It was a bit. Uh, well, I'm now playing it on PC with keyboard and mouse, so hopefully I won't have a situation like that. Again. Yeah, no, I did it. I did PC, but I did it with controller. My my friend did it with uh, PC and keyboard to kind of uh, see what we thought. Uh, he he wasn't actually a big fan of the keyboard controls. He didn't like them at all. Uh well, to be honest, I'm just trying to get used to them at the moment. I I will admit. On the QTE where you have to jump to the uh, wall to not get hit by a train, uh, I, I will admit I got hit by a train first couple of times. <laughs> That's, I mean, highly regretful. Uh, yeah. Bloody hurts, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, public service it's... warning, do not get hit by your trains in the local depot. This might be a very, very old meme, but if it are oh, a very, very old one, but if anybody in this podcast or any of the listeners potentially get this one, kudos to you. I like trains. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we are moving on now. Like, yes. I'm, I'm running here. Um, Jesus. I just, I just thought of a feature that I don't think anyone but, mentioned. Yeah, I'm sorry. Where sorry are people... Where are people able to? Are people able to listen to this live right now, or or is this? No, it's not live right later? now, but it's gonna be uh, it's pre-recorded right now. Yeah, gotcha. Anyway. Yeah, the, edit the editing gods can and will have at it probably. <laughs> but gotcha. uh, Gansh, what you were saying real quick before we move on to the next one? Yeah, sorry, I I missed it in the last question. I think there was a feature. I don't think anyone mentioned it. It's where people. I it it might have been one of the first games to do this. Um, where people could join as an enemy. Creature, special oh, yeah. oh yeah! Oh, Agent Hunts. Agent yes, Hunt. yeah. that's what it's called. I couldn't think what it was called for some reason. I thought it was Nemesis mode or something, but I knew it was wrong. Um, uh, yeah, um, we haven't and, got Agent Hunt actually in this. We'll, we'll quickly talk about it. But, I've never um, played that was it. Interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just thought it was interesting how no one picked up on that. But then I guess if you've played it more recently, there's not that many people playing it to attack you, so you wouldn't have encountered uh, it really. No. Uh, so uh, I, 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 oh, go ahead. 
uh, I won't put it either. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I've never played any of the, like, um, like uh, online games. Uh, I I've played Mercenaries and Mercenaries No Mercy, but I haven't played anything else other than the campaign. Uh, so, just cycling back really quickly to Agent Hunt. It is just basically what it is. It's a mode where you can join the campaign and impede the player's progress. And after they exit a certain area, basically you lost. But if you kill them in an ample amount of time, you win and you get awards and points for it. Uh, I remember doing it a couple of times, actually. And it's pretty fun. Just the enemy controls are just to say uh i don't know lack of better word dog shit uh sluggish. yeah if, if you play as a zombie mm. it's just sluggish but you keep constantly respawning as different enemies so you might be a zombie dog or you might be a sub boss sometimes or you might be a mutation um so you might get lucky at times other times you don't and the players will get away but i think mostly i play as the dogs i kept jumping on leon and biting him and i eventually killed him so it's really just awesome and fun and it's a way to kind of annoy people but at least you can i think it is made where you can cut the feature off so that's fine uh, for what it is uh but yeah so now we know where dark souls got its raid system from they got it from <laughs> yes yes oh lord, <laughs> yes. Oh, lord. <laughs> unbelievable yeah mm. so, sorry to spin us off on that i just i thought it should have been mentioned no oh, no fair that's fine. oh no fine. yeah a anything relating to the game that we miss is best to bring it up during this podcast so it's a fine question we'll cover what we can as we go so not only that, it's actually nice to hear the opinions of people who've played it, because I haven't myself, so thank you for segueing us into that, because I've actually not played it myself, so yeah, it's all, appreciated. All I'm saying is, it's fun to be the, the person invading, horrible to be the person that's invaded all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Just like Dark Souls. <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. I think right, if you then. have it on, though, it's difficulty-based. I didn't mean cut you off, Shadow, but um, if you have it on, it's difficulty-based, so if someone's playing on a harder difficulty, you can indeed hurt them more. But I think we can move on now. Yeah, I think so. All right, then. Uh, so before we touch upon the, the campaigns in like full detail, yeah, there was something I wanted to bring up from, from Drumaru, uh, which I thought brought over a good point about uh, the whole idea of uh, the plot from Resident Evil... Uh, you know, again, for like 12, 15 years, uh, this whole saga starting at the Spencer Estate, uh, the the uncovering of Umbrella's super secret organization, its ultimate downfall and usurping from, you know, first Spencer and then ultimately Wesker. And then finally, the grand climax of Wesker's death in a volcano, courtesy of boulders being punched. I'm I'm fascinated this idea about like the Resident Evil is like this big grand reset. Uh, of of plot of having to like reestablish itself of of having to start again you know you you've had a a decade of this one individual being the big bad guy and now he's gone then like the idea that you have to start again from me I think it's fascinating um so uh, and there's some things you want to add on to it Drew um yeah so. Uh, uh, well, the, the thing I wanted to mention before, which I'll just brief briefly say, and I don't know for sure, but I think Resident Evil 6 might be the only or one of the very few Resident Evils whose time frame is set after the release of the game. Um, I think they all usually 
take place roughly around when they release, but six covered like such a wide amount of years that it actually took place, I think, like some of the later events took place, I think, up to a year after it actually released, which I, I think was... So, yeah, I think the, the actual incident in... Um... Uh, the Chinese is like, Yangqing, I think it's is I think it's called is uh twenty thirteen, like right? Yeah, I believe. So I don't know if any of the other games uh are sorry, take place. Oh, oh, uh, with awesome. Oh, technical issues. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, no, I was getting a phone call while I was talking. Ah, uh, that would explain it. Um, yeah, sorry. So uh, I'm sorry. Where, where did you hear? Yeah, you cut off, like, right at the moment where you were about to explain it. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah, I was saying I just thought it was interesting that it was one of the only, if not the only, um, game taking place after uh, it was released. Yeah, because no, uh, yeah, a lot of them were either at the time or obviously projections of the past, um, you know. But yeah, Resident Evil 6 does indeed... Covers all of this stuff, like almost like it's it's the early stuff in the uh, in the snow place, and then yeah, uh, Lanxiang is the name of the city, uh, where everything goes completely to hell. One thing I noticed, an observation, and it was a uh, pretty interesting that Drew Maru brought this up. It, I don't feel from a overall plot of the whole series perspective that capcom had a great deal of faith at least in in the aftermath of this game with how they handled moving the plot forward itself because any of us that have played the games after that will see that a lot of the events of six just end up being a a self-contained blip and then when we go on to seven and eight they're basically taking the story in their own direction and it's it's like six was ignored they moved forward and then seven and eight continue to take things in a new direction again but eight has also has also got some very big rumblings for bigger things that could happen in future installments so just an observation in that regard don't know if anybody else saw that or if it was just me reading into it, maybe. I don't know. Anybody? Uh, I I can see where you're coming from with it, yeah, definitely. Mm. It is it is like it is a, ignored after six um with future games. Mm. It just feels like a self contained like blip. Like they, they they had to move it somewhere, but then they felt like in the aftermath uh, maybe this wasn't right. Maybe this wasn't necessarily the right way to go about moving it. Let's see where we can go from here, and then we have current day Resident Evil where we are now. That's just me, anyway. Uh, I think as well, like Resident Evil Six's plot in general is pretty ambitious. I mean, because again, just because the vast scope of time that it's covering, it's not like previous uh, games where maybe uh, you know it's just like a, a short period of a few hours or you know Resident Evil 3 which covered a couple of days um, you know Resident Evil 4 was obviously over the period of a few days as well and then suddenly you've got like you know over a year this game spans across which is a dramatic amount of time to try and convey uh, you know several stories linking them all in uh, you know it's an unbelievably ambitious task yeah and then when we go back to future installments, it re it returns to the trend of everything being contained within a couple of days again, doesn't it? So yeah. it was the only one to ever do it. Mm. Not Maybe the only one. 
Was it? Was it not the uh, only Revelations one? Two? Ah, you're Revelations right. Two, yes, a good shout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few years later would do something similar. Yes, but that was kind of more backwards and forwards. Uh, and then kind mm. of obviously deceiving you that the fact the two are actually way apart from each other because at the time it doesn't tell you that so it's kind of like that's the twist. Uh, yeah, it sort of reveals reveal it that. at the end of episode one. Yeah, it, it it's it definitely hints at it. Um, but I, I but like I, I I don't think everyone would have seen. But this is a good point regardless. Good point regardless. I absolutely love that game. <laughs> I I, I Loki really enjoyed it. It, it, is a it was really a better game one. than people gave Loki. Mm. All right. Um, anyone else got anything they want to add for this before we move on? Um, I was just thinking for the story of Resident <laughs> Evil 6, um, how it is ignored in future games. Um, I don't know who played it on release. I can't remember who played it on release. But um, when you finished a campaign, one of the campaigns, there would be a cutscene showing Jake. And it would make you think that, oh, Jake would be in the future games. And I know it got patched it got taken out, sorry, of um, the Xbox One and PS4, um, like re, like new, like versions of it. They took that cutscene out, but on like 360 and PS3, it was in there. I don't know if it's been patched out of, P- of PC <coughs> as well. So for people who played it more recently, I'm pretty sure it was on PC. Yeah, but um, yeah, but, but it, it, was, feels... it was interesting how they took it out of future version, cop- like versions of the game. What was that? Jake was that, supposed to be in a future game. Um. Well, I don't know for sure, but it's it's like they they teased that he he was at the end fighting more, uh, like going off and helping out. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like, oh, he must actually be in more games. But I was gonna say this, it. <laughs> but it's kind of was... a shame. It's kind of a shame this was like something that led to nowhere. I was gonna say this before, but I got distracted when I got that phone call that messed up my train of thought <laughs> but um the whole idea of six potentially having started a new arc which i thought was going to happen um and then they just didn't do that i was hoping where they were going with it especially with um was it marvel versus capcom 3 uh still had wesker in it so i thought capcom was thinking oh people still like wesker how can we use wesker without um like just saying, oh, he's he didn't well, die or he's yeah, back. I mean, yeah, that, that's yeah, the with... problem. Like, he Wesker had become like one of the most popular and enduring characters of the entire series for good reason. Eventually, you have to well, kill him off because, of course, he eventually has to die. But then, what do you do? Well, so what I was hoping they would do, or what I want to see done, I don't know if this is more like just a fan fiction idea, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, they introduced at the end of five this idea of the Wesker children. Um, so I thought, oh, this new arc is going to build up the other Wesker that supposedly disappeared, which we wind up finding out later is Alex Wesker. Um, so six did not have Alex Wesker, and I remember playing it thinking like, oh, maybe that person's Alex Wesker. Maybe that person's also Alex yeah, Wesker. Nice. And I forget at, in which game we found this out, but Ada Wong was <laughs> actually an alias for an otherwise. Uh, a name that we don't know, and I was like, "A.W. Yep. Maybe Ada is Alex Wesker," <laughs> and that was that was nothing. But I thought that they were really dropping hints at the end of five, uh, especially because it was you know that was in DLC. So I thought they were saying, "All right, this is what we're going to start building up." So I was like, "Oh, Ada Wong is going to be Wesker, and she has a campaign." And nope, that wasn't it. And then like Simmons is working for uh, the family. Is that going to be connected to the? 
the um, organization that Albert Wesker was a part of. And I don't remember if it was or not, but it, that just went nowhere. And then we finally got Alex Wesker later, and that was just like a one-time thing. And I was like, they're just giving us like filler stories in the grand scope of things now. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to see was, oh, Capcom's realizing Wesker is really popular. Uh, but what can they possibly do with Wesker without saying, oh, he didn't die? Like, that would ruin the whole ending of five. So I thought by introducing. Series. What was that? I mean, it ruined the entire series. He just suddenly said, oh, he didn't die. You know, he was well, only in a why. freaking mountain. <laughs> well, that's why I was thinking, how could they do it while the end of five still being a major consequence? And I was like, they introduced Jake. What if, like, because he was experimented on, and there's this whole unknown amount of time where him and Sherry were in, what was it, Neo Umbrella's facilities? Yeah, I was like, yeah. what if they, like, somehow had this sample of Ouroboros that had Wesker's conscience in it? Um, because he, like, fused himself with Ouroboros in, uh, in the volcano. Like, I don't know how would they find a sample of Ouroboros in the volcano that somehow survived. I don't know. But, um... Yeah. My I mean, thinking was that Jake would sort of be like like Eddie Brock and Venom with like Jake and he would have Wesker's um like subconscious on. who would come out in an Ouroboros over him. Hold on, hold know? on, hold on. I, I, I see what you're saying here. Like I'm, I'm sort of catching on to it. Like I just wanted to add there is that notion of putting a digital mind in someone else's conscious in mm. revelations too. That yes. is that is definitely yeah. possible. So if yes. they if they wanted to do that going forward and maybe make Jake kind of like a little bit crazy and that will alter his character and yeah. maybe call back to Wesker's conscious, but he's not really like, you know, but in this control would of also it. That'd be cool. This would also introduce like a new um, story arc for Jake, where at the end of six, he was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not my father. I'm separate from him. But yeah, so now what if your father's talking to you and trying to influence you? That's different than you have never having heard from him and he's granting you power. So what if you're it's kind of like, um, you know, I know we're talking about Resident Evil six, so I don't want to tangent into other games and stuff, but mm -hmm. it kind of makes me think of Devil May Cry four with nero and like he wants the sword because he wants power but then it kind of gives him that i don't know like he heard a voice kind of thing you know he's like there was that thing like i heard a voice power i want more power and i was like what if there's this thing later where jake has this ouroboros inside of him and he's hearing things about you know his father telling him to do stuff and he doesn't know what it is starts to realize what it is the orboros comes out of him at some points like uh like venom for eddie brock and it covers him in this i don't know kind of form and it's not completely wesker because five was still a detriment to who he was he doesn't have a physical form anymore he can only exist he's basically sigma <laughs> you know he's like the sigma for Mega Man x um and it's like the wesker virus or whatever mm -hmm. and so i was kind of like he needs people with similar um bodies to him to be able to manifest in them and i was like this is perfect for jake they could like really take this idea he wants to be a hero now that was the whole point of six he's like you know i'm good now but like i, I won't admit it so i'll do the right thing but i'll be like yeah that's just because it's what i wanted and then introduce this concept of yeah wesker is still around in your brain now and he wants your body and i'm like this would have been a perfect way to keep going still have wesker but he's not the same wesker Use Jake to be relevant. Everything that happened in 6 is relevant to stories later. 
introduce Alex Wesker and her idea of, you know, putting mines in people. And I don't know. There was just like they could have used all these elements to build up the second arc to something really cool. And they're just like, nah, let's not do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, darn it. Have generic action horror. There you go. I really <laughs> hope like someone at Capcom listened to me said that and is like, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it, w- <sighs> it would be nice to see something done with some of the characters of the series because anybody who's played re- a lot of Resident Evil games or played them over an exponential amount of time will know that a great many cast members suffer from a slight issue called turning up in one episode or one game and never been heard from again we we now currently have we have Billy Cohen is that's, never at least back, that's right you've, at least that's you've believable got to get over this. That's at least that's believable the more detrimental syndrome of these characters is their face and voice changing like I'm a different person syndrome now. Like we had the the Julia Voth Jill, and now we have I forget who she, I forget the name. Um, and it's like yeah, they look good, but it's a different person. But it's he, like here's the thing: like <laughs> faces in RE changes all the time because they go with differing models and differing actors and stuff like that. Yeah, but stick to one. Is well, I think that's kind of like hard for them. Maybe some of these actors can't come back, or unfortunately, this case also I... happened with Onimusha, where one of the actors died. So it's like, who who can you contact <laughs> at that point? Yeah. I think yeah. Julia Voth. Who was the voice? The voice, uh, or sorry, the the motion capture and face model for Jill for the longest time. I think she said that when um, they used the cameras, whatever they took her face, whatever took her face, but it was a face <laughs> off. But I mean, like you, you know what I mean? They they used her likeness. Um, I think she said they actually signed a license to like, I get, I don't know if own it or use it. And I so I don't know if there's a rights thing, but she made it sound like no, they can use it whenever and for however long they want. So it's either they just actively were like, let's change it, or maybe it was like, yeah, we don't want to license this anymore. We want to renegotiate with someone else to own it. In which case, why couldn't they just renegotiate with the same person? So it sounds well, like they actively want to change the faces and voices. Well, we are diverging, like... but I'm I'm just kind of like uh, <laughs> some of these actors they cannot. What well, we already established, like last po- last podcast, that um, Capcom has their own LA studio now, and they don't want to hire people that's like way too far away from what we've noticed and some of the advice that we gave on that. So this this is probably why uh, some of those Canadian actors did not come back because they were so far. It was like, well, we have LA now, so we have our own studio. They can do mocap in here. Why not hire people that are relatively close to our area? So it's mm-hmm. it's probably definitely like a business decision that happened with that at the end of the day. Like no offense to Valve or anything because I'm pretty sure it, like she's super awesome and everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. But uh, from a pure... go sorry, no good. I was going to say, from pure business sense, what you said that that makes absolute logical sense because when push comes to shove, Capcom is a business, and yeah, back in the day, Canada was the very big like premium place for voice, act, uh, you know, for for mocap voice acting and talent, and it stayed that way until about the early two thousands. But yeah, this has all moved stateside now, so it makes logical sense. It does. It does. 
but uh we were talking about like just the plot and everything of uh re6 right yeah so uh, which question is this uh four Four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just finish up on this. Yeah. Um see the thing with the connectivity of like RE5 and the other REs is like again, uh five set up the Wesker children and then, you know, they burnt that yeah. to the ground because then we found out that well, half of them are dead, so the only one left is like Alex and everything. I like I think that Capcom likes to continue <laughs> plot threads or set things up and then when they decide that things haven't gone so well with the last iteration, they decide to do a complete soft reboot, which is what seven was to some of the events. And now they have to lead back up to all this stuff again after uh, resident evil eight, because now you see the BSA is like 100% corrupted and there's moles. And then there's people who are infected soldiers that are human. So that's going to be one topical thing that's going to be touched on at RE9. Are these humans infected in these organizations good in our eyes and how do we deal with it? And I felt like that could have been answered in 7, but they decided to start over. So it, it's unfortunate. BSAA? Because hmm? in, in 7, um, it was Blue Umbrella. Ooh, and they were, were they like working with the BSAA and then in village slash. Yes. Yes, they were. It was BSAA, but I don't they're know like if the, Umbrella the, is a part of it. Yeah. They're like the other, like, almost like unlicensed BSAA who are like a bit more kind of uh, off the record a little bit. Also shadow, you're like, kind of turning into a robot. Oh, am I? That's probably bad. Yeah. Well, That's... blue umbrella is basically like X umbrellas version of the BSAA, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, kind of so, like, oh, oopsie, yeah. we messed up. Let's fix this. And it's supposedly like different people from Umbrella. I don't know who it's, from it's Umbrella a is a part of it. It's basically like a, a bunch of like inferior old Umbrella employees, bits and pieces trying to write. But really, it's it's a mercenary tool. That's that's the that's the hard part of it. So, anyways, so we, you, are, we are we are. Umbrella just it. reminds me of like that clip from South Park where. Um, they was at the oil company, and they're like, "We're sorry, sorry." And it's, <laughs> but yeah, it's, we, it's like um, I just imagine umbrella executives, and they're like, "We're sorry." But yeah, we gotta we gotta get it back on topic. Uh, okay, we need to move on. Yes. Yeah, so. so, all right then. So it's time to begin our dives into the various campaigns. Uh, this may or may not take a little while, so buckle in. There is plenty to go through. Uh, we're going to start with the campaign that I think probably the majority of people who played this game touched on first, and that is Leon's campaign alongside Helena. Yeah, you're still robotting out during that, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to focus on like basically Leon's campaign and Tall Oaks and sort of uh, pass the baton and get other people's opinions. I'm going to probably go last on this, but um, let's see, Zamzara, I want you to sort of talk about your reaction to leon's campaign like what are some things you liked and disliked about it and then we'll go around the table and sort of get everyone else's thoughts yeah leon's campaign i think is probably the highlight of the game um and it is the the meat of the game uh i am a fan of leon leon's my favorite character from resident evil so getting to play more resident evil with leon is fantastic um <sighs> The, the fact that the game starts so um it, it's abrupt it's it's raucous it's just like in your face with the action right away it's 
it's an action sequence. There's the helicopter sequence and then like a quick time event all back to back to back before you even get into like feeling like you're playing a Resident Evil game. So <clears throat> I don't think it has the best start um, as a campaign, but as it goes on, it does get better. Uh, it, it has its highlights, um, but it just it, it still doesn't feel um, never really felt like Resident Evil like it, it feels like it tries to get there but it never feels like it it hits um but it probably is the closest uh feeling to uh a Resident Evil campaign uh aside from everything we've talked about getting like tons of ammo and it just being action oriented and everything um but yeah it's it's definitely um definitely the highlight of the game for me for sure it's it's my, the most memorable portion. My okay to pick up here? Yeah. Alrighty. Um I'm gonna politely disagree with what was said um just a moment ago by Zamzara. I genuinely believe that at least in the early segments of Leon's story, you are getting and do keep in mind for context that this is, comes from somebody who has a very negative opinion of Six in general, so this is about as high as my praise gets for the game. I genuinely felt like the opening segment of Leon's storyline was very much a Resident Evil experience. The It was a bit more focused on the horror vibe and the aspects. The, the zombies were sparse, they were scattered. There were a few little, you know, hold-the-line moments, a few little small things you had to solve, things to find, looking around. It, it felt like it carried that Resident Evil vibe very well. Where I feel like it lost it, however, was in about the last two chapters of the game. I felt like it was pretty all right until we, we got to to the, ch the China bit. And then when you had um Super Mega Simmons Dinosaur, that kind of I loved really it. I know that was I know people think it was dumb but I loved it. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it was like some of the dino crisis devs got in there. It disconnected <laughs> things for me a bit. It did. But yeah. That that's where I I, I kind of feel about it. I I it has the right vibes. It has the right stuff. The only part that was particularly annoying for me was the holding off all the zombies in the gun store bit but Thankfully, between all the uh, the jank of the game and just that segment in general, my stream chat made it absolutely bloody hilarious. So kudos to them for for bringing the entertainment there. So yeah. Anyway, guys, you you continue continue on. Oh, go ahead. Um, I'll try again. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Shadow. Is it, is it better? Yeah. 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 That sounds mm -hmm. a lot better. Yeah. Mm. It's be working. Yeah. So. So, so my experience of this is probably very different to a lot of other people. Uh, the reason I pointed out that I suspect most people probably played the Leon campaign first, which I suspect is the case, is because for me, I didn't. I didn't actually play this first. Uh, this is the second game I took on. Um, I, I played Chris's first, and we did this with the oh. scenario, which I suspect not many people actually did, uh, which kind of gave a different slant on both these campaigns, I think, to a lot of other folks. Um, obviously, I knew going to it, this was this was uh, regarded as like the strongest of the campaigns, and it was obviously the one that was kind of most kind of old Resident Evil. That was the whole idea, you know, kind of like this eerie setting in university. The zombies are back. 
Um, you know, you're kind of working out what's going on, you know. Um, that was very much that vibe, and it definitely came across. I think at times the camping was a bit meandering. Uh, I enjoyed the university sex. I thought it was pretty good. But once you got to sort of like the city streets and you were like fighting in like the church area, um, that really went on for an awful long time. Um, and then you've got the airplane section, which is just like, I don't know, Resident Evil meets Call of Duty, I guess. <laughs> Absurdness. Um, and then you get to China and then you go through all that stuff. Like there's so much to Leon's campaign. Uh, the whole subway section, like it's just absolutely enormous. Uh, but we talked about this before about it being kind of a bit on the long side. I think overall it was definitely there was a lot enough to enjoy. Uh, you know, there was plenty obviously of intrigue going on with um, you know, Leon kind of going off the radar and bits and pieces like that and getting framed and as you would expect. Uh unfortunately my memories of um of uh, Leon's campaign is forever tarnished by memories of Helena's sister. Which, um, I mean, like, I don't know where to begin with this. Uh, not just the fact that she basically, the boss fight was fighting her sister naked while they're doing, like, pole dance moves in front of you. Um, and I'm not even joking. Very distracting. Like, it was the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous Resident Evil boss fights I've ever taken on. And I've taken on a lot of them. Absolute absurdity could not take the game seriously after that point. Like, Chris's campaign, I actually enjoyed a little bit there. Leon's game was fine, but you get to this whole sister thing, and then that whole boss fight, I'm just like, this game has just jumped the shark to me. And I just struggled to take it seriously from that point. That was that was the where, for me, the game kind of died a little bit to me. But up until then, I thought it was actually... To the beginning. I mean, not <laughs> the beginning, beginning. Uh, I, I, gave it, I gave it a few hours. Yeah, it's but, um, it's. I know that what, that bit really was horrendously jarring to me. Yeah, I I know what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that basically the first three chapters of Leon were tonally consistent. You know, uh, at least they were trying to introduce like all these big creatures, and they had uh, this slower pace with the zombies and everything. And the whole section with Tall Oaks was like a giant sort of clusterfuck of civilians getting slaughtered by zombies, and it was very cool uh, to go through some of those old school like horror beats. But once you reach, I think chapter four with Leon going to China, that's yeah. when everything starts turning very action oriented, very fast pace um the quick time events get remotely worse during this and you're fighting dinosaur simmons at the end uh so i i feel like the first three chapters good and then later on it just sort of shambles and falls to pieces because you're doing so much action content in them the problem i also had as well is just like the general story again for two free chapters it was like a bit ridiculous but like fine the whole president being killed and like leon kind of having to like sort of defend himself sort of thing. I, I can get that i can see that but once you hit the china like and all of the crossing of paths because it's all very convenient and you know simmons um and the ada stuff and it's just, just so much happening in such a short space of time it's just completely completely absurd but don't worry you get to replay it three more times Never. <laughs> well, I mean, I did. Um, I, I don't think I can ever play that game again. I, I don't think I can. Well, I mean, I say that. I'm meant to be doing a base hanger the only run of it in two months. Oh, my God. I'm oh, safe for sale. As a, point of, 
as a point of reference here, China is a vast country. Can you imagine the numerical odds of four people managing from complete random to meet each, you know, each other in the exact same place at the exact same time? I mean, even inside a city like Lanxiang, which is not small, you can see this multiple times. This place mm. is huge. Oh, this what? game was a yeah. This game was a big coincidence. Like it's one hundred percent a big coincidence. At the end, how in the hell would Jake and Sherry even randomly just appear up here at this like heliport crash? You know what I mean? Like it's just so how did weird. How did Helena just walk off a plane that crashed and yep. just walk off like? Eh, <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty standard stuff. It's for us special agents. You know, we do this all the time. That, mm. my guys, it's called plot armor. Yeah. <laughs> the script allowed them to stay alive. Yeah. But but Indeed yeah, I would did. say gameplay wise, I think all in all, I think it was solid enough. You know, it was there was a couple of sections that were cool. Um the uh, it was nice as well that you actually had a couple of like AI like survivors you fought alongside, like in the defense of the gun store. That was cool. How often do you get to do that in Resident Evil games? Not very often. So, you know, stuff like that I thought was was a nice touch. Um, you know, and again, some of the boss fights weren't too bad. The uh the church boss fight was really frustrating. Uh kind of not a fan of that with the the dude that like spored the gas, which was turning everyone. I was like, uh, this is just aggravating, but La Potita. Whatever whatever his name was, fat dude. No offense, but like <laughs> something else. He has yeah. a name. Uh yeah, it's called the uh, Lepotisa. Uh, leave him alone he's just a human it's a lot of boobs on it which is weird that's a weird creature like I, it's one of the um, weirdest bosses I've ever seen and I've seen Nyx <laughs> I've seen Birkin I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of strange stuff I thought it was interesting that they incorporated the zombies into like a, uh, a result of a BOW like that's how they explained the uh the zombies. I, the, 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 yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. Like I I and I could like suspend my disbelief enough for that and I was like, okay, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was okay with that. But like whenever the game like delved into plot involving the actual characters, uh and then um, we'll obviously talk about the whole Ada Wong thing. Uh we mm. will get there and all of its complete insanity. And what was going on over there? It's just like I just think the game just really struggled to keep it together. Um, yeah. So I, the whole airplane thing didn't need to happen in this get in this campaign. It was done, well, but it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. was it? No. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was neat. It didn't take oh, that long. Everyone is dead. Well, that's a problem. Leon, do you know how to fly a plane? Well, funny you should mention that. It was one of them. <laughs> it was one of them creatures that was from the church, wasn't it? That was infecting all of the. Yeah, it yeah. somehow. How did, it, that how, how, how on, did they even the get plane? there? Yeah, reasons that were never explained. It was just there. Dude, as long as yeah. it could have somebody, <laughs> somebody could have um, a regular person who went on the plane could have been infected and turned into one. I don't Yo, think guys, I think we have a stowaway on this plane. Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone noticed a weird smell coming from the cargo hold? <laughs> also, uh, drill. What were you about to say? Oh. Me? No, drill. No drill. Oh, nothing. Why? Uh, I was just asking, but uh, yeah, this. That thing being in the plane and then Simmons just transforming into every animal under the sun. First it was a dinosaur, then it was 
fucking a fly then it was some a type giant of dog a, yeah. a dog a dog i almost said zog uh, a dog some type of chimera creature i i don't know what was going on in this in segment don't hey, don't Ari's version he, of Grimlock. He turned into a law. Yeah, my brain just went absolutely ballistic during this part. I don't know what was going on here. I just felt like I, I know he's infected with a partial G virus, and it was like a mixture of because C is like a mixture of T and G, so he would transform into all these wild things. And I get it. We've seen this before in a smaller it was T and G. Yeah, it was it was T Veronica and G. Uh, my battle now. T Veronica. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, no, well, it wasn't G, G was, right? Um, it was G. G's was Dead Aims uh, one, I think. No, uh, basically it's like this: the T Veronica virus and the G virus are mixed together, and that makes the C virus. Yeah, something like that. You know, hold on, I'm looking this up now because uh, I want to make sure that's right. Because I uh, feel like it's not, but it might be. It is. It's, yeah. God, God, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. You know, yeah. I, I, I expect someday that we're going to have a whole alphabet of viruses. We're getting there slowly. Just give them like thirty yeah. years. I'm sure, we'll manage yeah. it. Give them a few more in installments. We'll get. Uh, and then for every letter, they'll put a dash and add a word onto it. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Great. yes. <laughs> Hate it. Hate it. Don't just know the. Milk uh, it all. <laughs> I think the thing that was most jarring isn't wasn't just that he was Simmons was turning into all these crazy things, which he was, which was crazy, but it's the fact it's like he would then in an instant just turn back into a guy. Like what? How can you turn from physics? Science doesn't work like this, everyone. I, I don't know. He... If, I don't know if you were aware of this, but science does not allow you to just like magically produce like 10 20 times your body mass and then just get rid of it and just what fold it in in like what neat little piles like what well isn't it mm -hmm. isn't it like i mean the, the stuff that the it gets added on is being is probably like growing so i my take on it was that he was fighting for control and when he would gain control it would just like wither away because he was in control of how his body was supposed to be. And then as he was lose, he would lose control. <clears throat> the virus would cause those mutations to grow again. And then like, again, as his will comes back and takes over, it kind of just withers it away. I don't know. That that was how I reasoned it in my head, like growing and withering. Uh, I, 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 I could see it. But if you're going to make him like, mass like turn into something else uh, we've seen this for 15 years i'm okay this but you can't just then he doesn't you just can't do it's just <laughs> oh my god well i didn't say it made else? sense i just said that's how i reasoned it i i i accept this but it doesn't make it any <laughs> any better it's dumb i also just pictured him as jiraiya because it was the same voice actor yeah so. it is dumb yeah. It's, it's very dumb, and Joel, I'm going to let you go. But uh, I feel as though the best way to rationalize that is that the enhanced C virus just affected people differently because it had Jake's blood, and of course, the DNA of that person being affected is different, and it's a rarity because there's only like three syringes of that within the whole game. So I, I always thought it was like, okay, this is super potent. It affects people differently. I'm just going to go with it. But I just could not suspend my disbelief any further near the end of the hey, game where he turned worst into the virus in the series <laughs> were those syringes all the same exact variant of and the... they just affected people differently I believe uh, so 
yeah and it had jake's blood so it was a rarity uh once it affected uh Not the convenient. other people yeah mm. because for carla she, i i just you know you can argue that she had already been affected by the c virus so it it could the reason she became like this white goop monster <clears throat> is because it was the same virus mixed with the c that she already seemingly had yeah i don't know to be honest at that point like i had legitimately lost complete <laughs> and had honestly when you think about it the whole plot basically happened because simon tried to simp for ada yes man what a simp simmons simp. more like simpins am i right <laughs> oh my god <laughs> be gone be gone oh lord oh jesus oh I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Did anybody else <laughs> get the feeling? So I'm trying to contain myself here. Did anybody else get the feeling with the way Simmons' body twisted and morphed around, especially with his skin and whatnot, you were almost observing the twisting and turning of a Rubik's Cube because that's oh, how yeah. it felt to oh, me. Yeah. It's definitely the oh, design man. choice they went for. Like that, that's a good shout. Like That didn't mm. absolve it of any of the crimes against science it was committing at the time, but it was the kind of cool, I guess. That's look, a Rubik's look, Cube I'd love to solve. Look at Simmons it. Simmons Cube. Comparatively, right? Look at it comparatively to Birkin. As Birkin progressively mutated from stage one, stage two, stage three, his body stayed there. Like, he was fucked, and he couldn't mm. really unfuck it, could he? Once it was done, it was done. <laughs> so yep, Shadow yep. made a very good point there earlier. A very good point. Yeah. Hate it. Hate it so much. Ugh. Me both. Anyways. Any other um, sort of noble facts you guys remember from Leon's campaign? Things you remembered, things you despised? Uh, I, I um, just want to say, um, I kind of dislike, like, first time round, I, I was alright with, like, the opening of chapter one, but on replays, it just drags out a bit. It was the best part of Leon's campaign, the prologue. <laughs> just throw it out there. I, I, really I was going to I was gonna say, yeah, you can't agree that playing Leon's campaign multiple times and you're just forced. You're basically forcing them to a walking sim, and you just want to mm. go, and you just want to play already. Yeah, and that's why I kind of prefer the other ones because they get you straight into the action. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was uh, replaying Leon's campaign for the first time, I, I was just like, "Come on, I just want to shoot some zombies already." Jeez. I guess I could kind of say that I really didn't like this walking section either in the first chapter of Leon's campaign because you go through so many motions first you have to go ahead and walk to the guy's daughter who's apparently infected and then you have to do this whole slow moment of aiming the gun at her and then going to the elevator and then there's another long cutscene so I, I did like the suspense building I did like the atmosphere the tension that you are with these affected people but it kind of made leon look a little bit dumb because i mean look there's like a zombie girl she's clearly infected on this elevator put a bullet in her head already and spare yourself the trouble it just outstays is welcome on later replays of it because you're just once again doing this walking section I, I i am glad that they later put in the chapter select for you to skip 
past that particular portion but if you miss anything or whatever you're gonna have to replay that again and for first time players i can see that part being a little bit annoying mm. to be honest yeah. uh, the whole earlier thing about like which campaign you played first i played jake's first <laughs> Ooh, what was that like I mean, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I mainly, like, started with that because of Sherry. Like, yeah. I want to see what was going on with her, because last time we saw her, she was a 12-year-old in uh, Raccoon City. Lots changed me. I, think I thought she was younger, like, eight. I don't... What was the cover no. age? She was 12. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. So, let's see if Resident Evil... Born in 86. So... So yes, wait, yeah, yeah, so if RE2 takes place in 98 and RE6 is 2013, I think? Yeah. So that would mean she was 27 at the time, got it? Yeah. Sounds about right. Well, how old was she in 2? Well, well, she was 12, yeah. 12, yeah, 12, yeah that maths makes sense. She was 86. That's kind of right. a, that's kind of a story. You wouldn't think of looking at it there, so, wow. Yeah, well, the, she still has, like, um regenerative capabilities from when she was infected with the G-Virus, so she doesn't well, she... age as much oh, as uh, yeah, normal yeah. well, Technically, she with... still has G, but it's more like a dormant after-effect yeah, of yeah, G, yeah. like a vaccinated G. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about uh, that in... Uh, yeah. To be fair, though, yeah. the, um, the topic of, like, side characters, um, what about people's thoughts on Helena? Like, just as a character, and obviously joining Leona's adventure. I... I mean, I like Elena, but I feel like she could have been fleshed out more because we mm. only see snippets that, oh, yeah, she betrayed the the government because she wanted to save her sister, but she gets double-crossed anyway. I didn't mm. mind her. I would have liked her coming back in another game. Honestly, mm. of the three campaigns, I actually like Leon's a lot, but it's not the best one because I don't like the opening that much because it's too slow. See, I think the opening of Leon's campaign is probably one of the best parts of the game because it feels slow, because it feels like those first two or three games. Um, if you like if you just think about the design of it, uh, that's the one where like that's the part of the campaign where you're not just constantly being pushed forward and pushed into something like you're not just walking down a hallway to the next set piece you're actually like investigating stuff you're walking around you're like people have said before you're trying to figure out what's going on um by the time you hit even just the subway portion and then even more so once you get into china you're just constantly being forced forward and pushed and pushed and pushed where those first three chapters have a little bit of backtracking have a little bit of that classic re feel um so i think that's why i like those first chapters because i do like the slower paced resident evil games the ones that build that tension and suspense that aren't just in your face action uh that you get from some of the other campaigns uh in resident evil 6 and some of the uh other resident evil games entirely so um even if you look like i said even if you look at the design like map design and whatnot um you end up uh you, you could just see how like the university map design versus the subway which is a hallway and the further you get into the leon campaign the more and more it like the whole game seems to fall into that um that final fantasy 13 syndrome where you're it's just a hallway you're just walking from one end of the hallway to the other end and seeing what happens in between uh with no sense of exploration 
unfortunately. Yeah. I think I think that's why I preach. I really liked. I got a lot out of Leon's opening parts of the campaign because I had done Chris's first, and that had been the adrenaline shot. So it started off heavy, and then the game kind of like quietens down to like be a bit more suspenseful, a bit more plot heavy. Um, so I think that's why I kind of enjoyed it. Like the tonality. If I'd have opened up Leon's first. I don't actually think I would have liked Leon's ca campaign quite much. I think it was better because I did Chris's first and I, I could appreciate the tonal shift more rather than just kind of being thrown into it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it feels like the the pacing's better. Um, yeah, it, it where... made more sense. It just flowed so much better the way we did it, it in the end. It's not just like a total ramp up where you're constantly going up and up and up and up. You just start with this explosion. You get that little lull if you play Leon's campaign second and then you go back up. Yeah, it's like a good movie, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, I would say that I do like I do like the when you're in top, you know, when you're in like the college and in the city, it kind of gives off like that RE two and three vibe with the city and chaos. It's a it's a conscious design choice, and it it really does work. I mean, we're gonna get into this in a minute, but you know, you you don't get that opportunity with um. Sherry and Jake, because the the Ustanak is continuously been an antagonistic force that drives them forward, and if you stop, he's going to kill you. So you don't get that chance in their storyline at all. Yeah, it's just a different time in campaign. So yeah, something I didn't really understand about Leon scenario. What was the purpose of unleashing the C virus uh, on the uh, tall tall oaks like? He just I, it, wanted to go after the president. It was so like, did he really need to, like, did Simmons really need to unleash a virus on, on the college campus to I mean, go after it, one person? It was probably to send a message, I imagine, to get yeah, people scared. I, I, believe, I believe so, yeah. It was kind of semi-like covered to make sure it was done and he was dead, but it was also also a statement to, like, the 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 powers that be that uh, Simmons had, like, a lot of potential to do a lot of crazy things and wasn't afraid to do it, so it was, like, his statement. Mm. I think Simmons also says that they can't know about the Raccoon City incident. They cannot discover the truth coming out from President Benford. So, of course, that's a way to not only zombify the entire Tall Oaks, but to clean up the refuge from there as well when they decided to issue the thermobaric strike on Tall Oaks. Yeah, yeah, they were going to, yeah. It was, yeah, just, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a reason to them to just yeah. completely wipe out everything there and just call it a day, basically, and try and get, yeah. make it so, yeah. Yeah. hidden. So yeah, make, there, make, there was yeah, an you can't, so that he hmm. was definitely dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't arrest Simmons if all the evidence is destroyed. Yeah, yeah that is true. <laughs> I just I just want to bring up one little point about the fact that if you look into the backstory of RE6, you will realize that Derek C. Simmons, he actually nuked the town. He nuked Raccoon City back in the past just to impress Ada getting those panties. I don't I don't fucking know, but that's like his whole backstory in Resident Evil 6. Like he did it to impress her and then she obviously scoff that off like oh my god you monster you killed like about several thousand people i don't want nothing to do with you so he had that quest of trying to turn his previous like spouse or i don't know who carla was to him at first but he tried to alter her into ada using the c virus so that's like something interesting to point out apparently it's his it's his fetish nuking cities mm, and having like a calling yeah. card i mean yeah he has it's like a great fetish can, can you imagine that one being played out at, at, at a dinner date? Hey, baby, I've got a big nuke with your name on it. 
I mean, oh, it's surprising he didn't just say that in the game, but this is I why Jason tases. Oh, baby, what's your least favorite city? I'll wipe it off the map. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> in any um, event, yeah. So Chris's campaign. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, as I say, I I played Chris's campaign first, um, and mm. as much as I've got a lot to say about Piers and what I do and maybe don't think of him. Uh, I have to admit the the Chris Redfield bromance was I got a lot out of it. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, if if Leon's campaign was like the part of the game that's like trying to take itself seriously, Chris's campaign was not. Like know, it's just light hearted, chaotic fun. I mean, literally the first thing Chris does is walk out of a door and just shove a camera out of his face. I mean, how can you not hate this man? Um, I really enjoyed it, and that's not even talking about some of the bizarre cutscenes that happened later on involving Chris and like other people. His officers, you know, how awesome is this guy and whatnot? Just like complete, the game was just like having some fun. It felt like to me, the developers just like ah, let's just have a good time, and and I was on board for it. Hmm. To be honest, I have to say, uh, when going into Chris's campaign, I just thought there's not enough border punching. They, uh, they have an homage to I mean, Yorn, he kind of put body punch in the same degree. Like, he definitely tried. Like, um, there was... I say, it was just... The game was, like, it was not taking the suit. It was just carnage, chaos, you know, lots mm. of fighting with dudes. Um, you know, but I think if I'd have played Leon's first, which I think a lot of people did, I think why it didn't really get over, because by the time you'd gone to Chris's campaign, you'd already played the game for, like, nearly 10 hours. Mm. And you just don't want that. But if you did it first, it was the first thing you did, and it's fresh... It's like, okay, this is fine. You know, like some of it was a bit annoying. Some of the rooftop sequences were really egregious and I hated them. I, um, I hated those uh, flying things during yeah, the rooftop. Yeah, they set. absolutely oh, stuck. Lord. There is no debate about it. They yeah. were miserable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the, some of the, you know, the, uh, the flashback stuff was kind of cool. I mean, fighting mm. giant freaking monsters and that, you know, was like a little bit contrived in how they did it, but it was like, eh, it was kind of fun enough. So I, I think I, I got a lot out of Curse's campaign. I, I enjoyed it for it was like uh you know like just just like there was, well, was a bromance really. I thought Chris's campaign was one of the most interesting things of the game. Uh, I can respect and appreciate Capcom for making numerous interviews saying things like we don't want Chris and Leon to feel the same in this game. We don't want them both to be heroic so let's take chris let's strip him down to his essence and let's see if we can make him somewhat an anti-hero because in the game he bumps his head he gets like some ptsd amnesia and then we see the change of the character where he's borderline on vengeance and he wants to kill carla slash ada he wants this character dead so bad that he's going to do anything to get his vengeance on the men that were murdered by her I just found that dynamic like very entertaining and Piers slowly trying to reason with him and bring back the old Chris Redfield, which is uh, very riveting in my opinion. The, the bump on the head thing, the amnesia, that was friggin' crazy. That was nuts. And honestly, that was a big pivotal character change for Chris. Wait, he bumped his oh, head? the amnesia. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was him <laughs> yeah. having like PTSD and suppressing it. I mean, I, I, I guess That's that could have been part of it. I don't remember he bumped his head. Yeah, he does. It was during the chapter two skirmish with the knee pad at the end of that when Carla throws the needle bomb. That's when Chris uh, gets thrown by a giant monster and his head goes kaput. That's what happens. Well, 
Doesn't a doesn't something hit him? Not really bumps it, more like smashed against something. Yeah, is that yeah. Really yeah. I always I always thought he was suffering from PTSD and tried to suppress Me it. Too. To, yeah, to be honest, well. I, I will I, I will admit, like uh the cutscene where like Chris is in the bar, I, the way he was acting, it made me want to punch him. <laughs> yeah. I I probably playing... would have... <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm agreeing with you totally. When we were playing that line, <laughs> oh my lord, the bit where he tells that woman in the bar to she should be pouring drinks and looking pretty. I'm like, oh my god, you're chauvinist yeah. showing, sir. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, I wouldn't have punched him if I was actually there because I'd probably get killed. I mean, he would murder you on the spot. Let's just make that through you. I we, think would, the, I... we would be glaring at him menacingly from a distance and just well, yeah, pouring I... disdain upon him. I think the idea was just to show how like much Chris had hit rock bottom. Yeah, mm. it was his redemption arc, really. At least that's the game tried to picture as his redemption yeah. arc. Whether you. Yeah. I think that was the case is a totally yeah. different uh different story uh, but. but yeah uh ren did you uh, you guys you guys haven't talked about how like you remember like the original ending for chris's campaign they had in mind yes i do actually the original ending for chris redfield that they had in mind in this game i think the director was uh ishiro sasaki if i mispronounced your name i'm so sorry i apologize but uh, he was the director of Resident Evil Outbreak File 1. He went on record and said that Resident Evil 6 was going to be the game where they discover a window where Chris Redfield could possibly die in this game. There is allusions to it. When you get to the part where Chris is on the elevator with Piers, he solemnly tells him, look, I'm retiring. I'm putting away my gun. This is it. This is the last mission. 100% we're done with all this BOW bullshit. After a while, it seemed like they tried to set up Piers as the new Chris Redfield. And then in that very ending scene with Chaos, Chris Redfield was going to succumb to his wounds and die but capcom decided to change that and the perfect sort of place to have this big emotional drama was pierce so they did a role reversal of death scenes where it's like instead of chris dying in this game it was going to be pierce and it's the new character and we don't have to deal with any repercussions of the fan base with him dying right here I guess Capcom was fearful of killing any of the legacy characters, which is why it was so easy to pick a new one instead. Even though people were pretty choked up and emotional about Piers dying as well for a new character. Yeah, they, they were yeah. certainly setting it up like that and then obviously to, for the bait and switch, I guess. Well, it wasn't really much. It was more twist, however you want to look at it, but they were definitely... <laughs> Like, I can't imagine the world where they actually decide to do that. I mean, can you imagine killing Chris Reveal in Resident Evil 6? Mm, can you yeah. imagine? It would have been very ballsy, but yeah, they just didn't commit to it. But to kill off Chris? Yeah, and yeah. I want to know if Chris had died and Piers had been, you know, the one to take on the torch... I mean, it would have taken time to get used to, but it would have been a nice change for the series. So, before I lose all credibility in this statement, I wasn't a huge PS fan. Like, to I, you know, I just oh, you know, I did think of him. Like, I thought he was totally fine uh, as like a side character, but like when he dies and at the end, spoilers, everyone. But when he <laughs> he he perishes. I 
I just like like my because my friend was the one who was playing him and he was like, oh, this kind of sounds. I was like, eh? does no <laughs> like I mean to be to be fair to be fair, yeah. I think it would have impacted me a lot more if they didn't go down the horribly cliche. I mean, I, I was okay with the whole fact of like him getting like the the lightning stuff was ridiculous. Okay, and I thought that was mm. like absurd. But Resident Evil, Resident Evil's been doing absurd for like two decades. So like, fine. If you want to do yeah. that, okay, fine. I think the bit that really aggravated me at the end is that they're like teasing, oh, maybe he's actually alive in this giant underwater base, which blew up. Like, are you really going to try and convince me that he's somehow yeah. like, get out of here? But the writing was on the wall that eventually, no matter how much he fought, he would have lost his humanity. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's just, it's just, I hated it that they had to go down that cliche route. Like he dies, like he pushes Chris into the into the thing, fights. He knows he's screwed. Cool, jet off. Leave it at that. But they had to do one more little bit to kind of tease us. It's like this is really unnecessary. So that that aggravated me. But I think Piers was 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 fine. Um, I did not, I didn't go to him anywhere near as much as some others did. But like I. I've I've seen far worse um, side characters. Uh, but yeah, ironically, didn't like Piers voice actor actually voice Chris in like one of the movies? Maybe I wouldn't know. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, unless something on the phone. Unless I'm mixing him up with someone else. Not possible. Like I mean, the, the like voice who voiced the... is a mysterious one. Like who voiced him in like the the remember the John Wick one with Leon on the motorcycle. John Wick. Oh, Vendetta. <laughs> that was a good film. Vendetta was alright. Uh, it was it was a reasonable glass, so. I like beers. I mean, oh, I don't mind. No, I, I don't like mind beers. beers. I don't, I do find it funny that he was beefing with Jake the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I, did, I was able to appreciate. Was that. I think I really like that part because it created like a new rivalry in a sense where of course after the whole spiel of Jake saying that he really didn't care about Wesker yet he pulled a gun on Chris after finding out that Wesker was dead from Chris's own hand there was that moment where like fucking Piers wanted to kill him right then and there he had the mean mug on his face he was mean dogging he was mad dogging him and then if you get on the elevator sequence after the fact then you have like Jake and Piers on the same elevator they'll have like a heated exchange like Piers will say something to the effect of I don't trust you and I don't like you and that just that rivalry was so heat I'm not even gonna front I just like how fucking Jake tells him you know what we'll sell it when we get the fuck out of here it's one of the best things in the game and I kind of wish that Pierce didn't die because I want to see those two like one-on-one -on -one in a fight like no holes barred damn it we never got that opportunity Pierce the lab dog has gone away for another day Real talk, it was cool though. It all stemmed from the protection of Chris and how, you know, once again, it was a Wesker interfering in business. And so that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. I, I will say we'll all have a bone to pick. I get it. But I think I understand. But I do hate this whole Jake. Yeah, I hate my father. I hate that thing. All that sort of thing. And finds Chris. Oh, I, I was the one who killed your father. I'm going to kill you. Like, really? He's been spending yeah, all this like, time, like, saying how you don't want to be in if you like him and that, and then yeah. suddenly, oh, he's the savior of everything. I get yeah, it. I mean, your your dad, dad, come on. Your, I mean, your deadbeat dad did try to end the world, so yeah. 
yeah we, we tore that plot point apart live on stream it's like wait there you didn't even know your father yet you hate your f it's like you know deadbeat dad of the year award yet you hate the guy that tried to kill him even uh -huh. though you don't know the guy what the it's hell like, is it's that like, it's about? like an obligatory i must draw my gun on you to make it seem like he that he actually mattered to me because he's my dad and i can't let you just abuse my my family like that sort of thing you know i didn't care for him at all so weird. It was very, very jumbled up, and uh... unless he feels like um, him killing his dad has something to do with him never hearing from his dad, even though we all know that's not the reason, but maybe he felt some kind of like oh, like kind of like subconsciously placing the blame on somebody because he didn't really have anyone to blame but his father, and I think there was maybe an instant of. Oh, maybe it's not my father's fault. Maybe it's your fault. And then he's kind of like, eh, I guess that's stupid. <laughs> See, I would like, love for that to be the case, but this is Resident Evil. They are not thinking that deeply about this. They are mm. not. They are absolutely not. No, you're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, so that is that's the way it is. But yeah, but so... it's kind of just like a case of, well, if you thought of it this way instead, it would still have the same result. So it could have been that, but it probably wasn't. Sadly. Mm. Anyone else have any memories of Leon stuff? This campaign? Uh, you mean Chris? Sorry, jeez. First, um, yeah, one last thing I'll add is that, honestly, it's my favorite of the three, mainly because it's a lot more action-oriented. I think it's also the fact that Chris actually gets the, a character arc out of all three. Like, you actually see him change throughout the game. You know, one thing we need to point out right now, right now, is the fact that Chris could not somehow distinguish Carla and Ada separately. Like he didn't notice that there was one character constantly changing their apparel over and over again. Like this chick is blue, this chick is red. I'm not gonna think to think this is like super fucking strange. Like none of this processed in his mind. And that sort of fell on Leon as well. Although he was like simping over some coochie. So I can kind of see why he didn't really pay attention. However, Chris, like you're chasing her on this freighter boat and she turns from red to blue to red. Like how much time do you need to change between apparel? If you're chasing her in between a minute, that never made sense to me. I don't think he's looking at the clothes, to be honest. He, he's probably, he, no. he's probably thinking, oh, she must be changing clothes on the fly to fuck with me. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we need to bring this up. Since we covered both the Leon and Chris campaign, I have to pose a question that I don't think anyone has brought up just yet in this podcast. What did you guys think of the 15 minute Chris and Leon skirmish that was featured prominently in Resident Evil 6 and every piece of advertising there was Chris versus Leon finally having their grand faded physical encounter on screen. Tell us what do you think about that? I was about to bring this up, yes. Was it like, wasn't one that of the, like a yeah, big... One of the big draws, like all these things. Like, oh, you're Chris in the point of Yeah, it's like the heavy promotion. It's like, it was a, it was like a, tiny, a minor scene. Yeah, because yeah, up until that point, Chris and Leon have never met, at least not in any media. And I don't know if they, they actually they had met up to that thing, point. But they hadn't met, like then directed over, like, but not directly. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit weird. And the files of resident evil 6 they basically say that chris and leon are both stuck in their respective sort of agencies right chris is with the bsa leon is with the dso 
they don't really have the opportunity to meet because they have differing jobs but mostly still center on bioterrorism just leon has to protect the president and the sword of the government and then chris has to go around the world to stop any sort of bioterrorist threat that comes up because that's what the bsa does um and then when you go to the files it says that claire redfield introduced chris and leon together and they only exchange a few brief words however they had a deep understanding of each other's ideals when it came to eradicating bioterrorism and plus leon is kind of known worldwide because of the whole uh saving the president's daughter mm-hmm. you know it's it's i can see his, his face being in like page three i can see it cycling back to previously what do you guys think of the length of the chris and leon fight were you satisfied with it or did you think it was way too short way too short it, it honestly mean, felt yeah. it honestly felt like something you know they misled you in the trailers yeah they they, they kind of had to do it because it's leon it's chris in the same game so you've got to have some point they like interact it's like oh it's tension when it really really isn't it's yeah they could oh go ahead I was going to say, imagine if they had made it into a full-on boss fight where you actually had the fight Leon. Yeah, I th- I think hmm. it would have been a much stronger game if it would have been a longer... If they would have been, um, like, fighting for the same side, but for different reasons kind of thing. Um, and it played that up throughout both ch- campaigns and both chapters and the whole story. Um, and not just having them, you know elbow and punch each other a few times and then say each other's names and then shake hands and move on. Um, I, I think they could have had a really cool dynamic there uh, and having playing both sides from the characters perspectives could have added a lot to that. So um, yeah, I think it was, was a definitely a missed opportunity. Who was the one who said they played Chris's scenario first? That was me. What was your, thoughts on like he was going after Carla like did you think that it was Ada at all at the time I had little reason to doubt it because obviously like um, Chris didn't really delve into that sort of thing very much you were very much kind of just following the events I think it's another reason why I liked Chris's campaign because a lot of the others delved into what actually was going on whereas Chris's was very much you're living vicariously in the moment you know you're there with doing the bits and pieces but you're you're almost as clueless to the plot as uh, as Chris and Piers end up being. Even towards the back end, like you still don't, you know, something's not quite right, but you don't quite know what's going on. So in that respect, I was able to actually quite relate with what was happening because, like, I I was as clueless as they were. So so um, so did you actually think it was Ada? I I could tell something wasn't quite right. Um, I had like. I wasn't blind, blind to the game. I knew that there was something about Ada in the game which was weird, and I could tell from having played so many games that it's like this, this isn't quite right. This isn't the Ada that, that like that they've mm. had for all this time. So clearly something's wrong. I didn't quite so realize what, they were going to go down the route that they ended up doing, but like, well, there you go. What was what was your thoughts on the outfit continuously changing then? From Chris's uh, perspective, the moment I saw that, uh, I, I, unfortunately, the moment I saw the outfit change, I was, I was starting to, I was like, oh no, and I was like, are they, are they really going down this route? I, I didn't want to believe it. I was like, refusing to accept that this is the route they're going, and then of course that was exactly the route they're going. I was like, oh, for God's sake! Mm-hmm. 
when like, you learned that they they hired um one of their office interns to pretty much bring in one of their fan fiction drafts to work <laughs> i think my fan fiction with jake and wesker is better uh, <laughs> moving swiftly on just Going leaning back in yeah just just leaning back into mentions of the fight um between leon and chris i do reckon the most part that Leon may have been disinclined to meet Chris outside of the encounter they had in the game. Because if you were want to go through the extended inter- internet law, shall we say, the the internet law between these two characters, Leon probably gets home every night and has a new voicemail from Chris asking him to impregnate his sister. Mm, so, true. yes, that meme. <laughs> I'm have, a you, have, human being. have any of you like heard the like One Piece parody songs about that shite? Mm-hmm. No, I can't say I have. Oh, they're bloody hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, I, I will apologize. I'm I'm an evil human being. I'm the same person on that Code Veronica podcast that came up with the tagline "Twincest is Wincest." So I'm willing to Ew. die on this hill. Yep, yeah. I'll die on it. Yep. Yes, yeah. let's move. Yeah, forward. that seems like a good idea. <laughs> Actually, before moving on to Jake's, um, did anyone else feel like a build up towards um, the the Leon and um, Chris fight when they were in the rooms separated by the walls and they were trying to reach the end? Did anybody else feel like, oh my? Oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the section where Chris and Leon is like divided between two rooms and you can't get out. There's a bunch of robots on the floor that Carlos spawns and they will blow you up and you have to press a quick time event button sequence to get out. Then you have to race all the way down to the end corridor and beat either Chris or Leon to the punch. They'll award you like a couple of points and then that's it. I, I thought it was a pretty trivial segment because you're talking about Chris Redfield and Leon Kennedy finally meeting at once and in the gameplay section it's just them divided by rooms trying to solve some low-key shallow puzzles that's it it's kind of boring that way and i just wish it was a little bit more to it than just that it was it was kind of cute but it was pretty shallow and it was Mm. pretty see-through as well you could kind of see what was going on just like "Ah, really Bringing, bringing myself back from that very juvenile moment um, a minute ago and having a, a meaning a, you know a meaningful contribution here um like i don't genuinely feel that if that fight had have been allowed to play out to its conclusion you would have had a decisive victor because i do not believe capcom would have wanted to have placed both of their characters in that position no not at all because it, because it could have potentially jeopardized either something in the game, created an, a bias, or possibly some sort of fan backlash. That's that's mm-hmm. my that's that's my take on that. Potentially, the implications of what it could have meant for the wider storyline, if done properly, they could have made it into quite a suspenseful little thing. But it's weird, and this goes into the whole design philosophy with six. It's like I've always used a term to describe six, right, guys? I've always used the term broad in scope, shallow in depth. And that's because there's so much of it. It's in many places where they could have an opportune moment to do something good. 
they don't really take much of a risk with it. Did anybody else get that vibe at all? Just wondering if it was just me. But yeah, continue, continue. To be honest, going back to the Chris Leon fight, I, there's just one thing we we all wonder about that fight, and that's well, wonder about them. It's like, it's, which one uh, is hotter? Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll go here as a, as, 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 as a, as a straight man. It makes me feel strange things. It, it's weird. It's a very weird place to be. I mean, if I had to choose, I'd say I, I take Leon's hair over Chris's like just ridiculous body muscles. I mean, Leon is fucking hot. Like, jeez. He's uh, got some things going for him. Okay, but, okay, but. Uh, we're running swiftly away from this. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you want to run away from that? Go distract. Oh God. Well, I'm I'm just asking the real question. I know somebody's got a, somebody's got a fan fiction out there where their fight turns into. Yeah, most likely. It has to. Oh, Passionate well, feelings for each other. We'll go I'll bet that. you money that does happen in a fan fiction somewhere. Yep. Somewhere. Obviously. It has <laughs> There's nearly 8 billion of us. I'm sure someone will have a depraved mm. enough mind to. All the one as well. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Besides all the fan fiction stuff that we have on board here, I wanted to talk about. The cycle back to the Leon fight, I honestly think that they had two varying styles and it's something I want to talk about with Chris versus Leon where it's like I felt they were trying to paint Leon as the sort of nimble and quick, the agile opponent, whereas Chris was like the aggressor. He was the one throwing massive punches and he was the one who threw Leon like halfway across the room. It all canceled each other out. They really didn't get like a super definitive hit on each other during this fight, but you could tell there was two completely distinctive fighting styles that they were going for. One is speedy and the other one is like super powerful, super strong. And if one of those like massive arms connected, somebody would be knocked out. Uh, but Leon was not allowing himself to be hit. So I was wondering and sort of pondering, what did you guys think of the distinctive styles being used in the fight? It definitely plays into the, what you said there is entirely correct. It plays into the, much their ways of doing things as individuals and characters, because Leon has always been more, more of a swift, nimble, and as of Resident Evil 4, especially been a government agent, he will have gone through all sorts of training. Very tactically minded, whereas Chris is just brute force. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I know one person who'd definitely know that, and that'd be the boulder. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before moving on to Jake's thoughts on that that last monster house or i don't know how it's pronounced chaos yeah man chaos was one of the interesting things about chris redfield's campaign it definitely raised the stakes to a high degree because chaos was this giant translucent skull of a mess who uh that was carla's ultimate plan her ultimate plan was to unleash this thing and cause hell on earth and if it would have hit the surface of the water i think it would have replicated to massive degrees and affected the entire planet this was a serious deal this was a serious thing 
this basically made it to where once you understood the gist of this monster it was the most threatening thing to the world at that time like i would say it's nearly maybe not nearly like maybe fully close to the same threat as uruburos was to the planet that made chris's campaign like 10 times more intense when fighting it and it definitely was like one of the more difficult bosses in the game well it uh, probably sorry it probably saying. doesn't matter in the grand scope of things but i'm curious as to like so a lot of these are pretty much all these bow's are the results of experimenting on humans or a lot of them are and um i know like the tyrants are people who were infected with t-virus and they were just like one in a whatever million or whatever chance of turning into a tyrant <clears throat> but i'm curious house is or hey sir is the only monster i think of off the top of my head that is probably also from a person but is like a unique one transformation and i'm curious if it was just like a nobody like did Neo Umbrella also experiment on just a whole bunch of random people? And they're like, oh, here's just one person. Uh, did they resonate with the C-Virus differently? Or did they just decide to experiment differently on one person? And I don't know if that was ever answered. But I would have liked to get some more backstory on that monster. Interestingly, with what you just said there, look at it from the perspective of Wesker, right? Nine out of ten people who were infected with the T-Virus just turned into mindless monsters. Mm -hmm. but, you know, Wesker was infected with it, and he gained superhuman abilities, the likes of which nobody else ever could. So it could have just been that one in a million, you have the correct genetic coding to bond with this, and it created, for all intents and purposes, that, that boss in Chris's campaign is a... Uh, is possibly one of the most dangerous things we have ever seen in the resident evil law even though we only see it once because it's pretty it's stated directly if this thing gets out it is game over there's no stopping it so we have to stop it here so the potential for it to be dangerous is definitely there so yeah it makes hmm. something very fierce uh, to be honest i will admit i kind of effed myself on that boss battle because uh, I went into it with no ammo whatsoever. Oh dear. Yeah, that, that was not good. I also did not like how the boss functioned either. Because when I was playing uh, the final chapter of Chris's campaign for the first time, I was on my own playing as Chris. So uh, it was very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Just somebody, somebody give me a quick refresher on the structure because we haven't made it there into our co-op in our co-op stream yet we are literally on chapter three so we're not there for a while like what's the format you have to kind of get it to a weakened like position right and then pierce blasts with the lightning arm if i'm correct right yeah, yeah. it basically makes it yeah. vulnerable to chris's attacks more and it's like, yeah he's got to weaken it make it vulnerable so chris can actually do the actual damage sort of thing i mean funky as soon as I looked up a walkthrough and on how to do it, I, I did it pretty easy, but... <laughs> the first time you do it yourself is a little rough. But hey, hey. Mm. Mm. Right, I think it's time to move on. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, next up is going to be uh, the campaign of Jake and Sherry. 
As I did call earlier, I do think it is a bit Resident Evil 3 light. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. Mm. Uh, but mm. the whole... I think so. It definitely took a, a bit of, um, at least, inspiration from it, surely. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm gonna... Are there... Be... I'm sorry. I'm just gonna please say that um, I'm gonna begin by actually putting a bit of a positive spin here. When when I first played it years ago, my opinion as far as Jake and Sherry's storyline went was kind of, you know, meh. But for me now replaying it, I definitely feel that it does a lot of things right, despite some of the stealth segments being a bit tedious. And I'm actually not against the Ustanak as an antagonistic force. I really think him being the driving point of the plot is a big positive. So he's been added in, his destructive capability, what he could do. The fights the fights were okay as well, you know, so no complaints in that regard. It's just like it I'm gonna give that as a positive on one plot element. Um, well, there's that. There's referencing Sherry's connection to the G-Virus as well. Really thought that was solid. My one negative that I'm really going to put in here, and I'm wondering how anybody else thinks about it, is the game's odd fixation with trying to sexualize her at a few moments in the game. It made me feel a touch uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Especially if you played the original Resident Evil 2. There's a couple of there's like the shower, uh, the, uh, the locker section. Well, like they're yeah. they, I they thought that that was on. just more like a f- like funny joke because it's not like they're really. Sh- oh, actually, no. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we're actually getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I forgot. I thought what you were referring to was Jake seeing her change. In which case, I thought, "Ha, that's it's kind of funny, sexual tension." But I think they actually do show you her changing. In which case, I'm like, "Uh, I get what you're getting it's, at it's now." Kind of, you do, yeah, you do, you do see a bit of ass. Yeah, yeah you it's do. A bit, it's a bit of unnecessary fans. Mm. I, I get it, I guess. But it's like if you've played Resident Evil Two, it's a bit weird. We're gonna lie. Yeah, it, it well, is. I guess it's. Quite... it's it's, it's so it kind of goes back to what I, I was saying how my my approach to the series was playing it all in one burst. <clears throat> um, but I'm curious if someone played every game as they came out, and like they played two, and I don't know what year that released, probably in the 90s, and okay. then they played this one where like I don't again I don't know the, the year, so maybe like 15 years have passed. For example, mm-hmm. I'm curious the perspective of that person if they're like. Yeah, this seems fine to me. Like she grew up, uh, like how I grew up. Um, playing it all in one burst, I had to try to put my mind in. Oh, like twenty-something years have passed, yeah. and it's hard to associate the person to like the kid. Um, it kind of just feels like this is a different person. But at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, what I played before is like the backstory. So it's you got to get yourself in this mindset that's kind of strange. Yeah. Not to not to excuse it at all, but just just to get into the mindset of like oh this is an adult it's kind of hard to it's like the same mentality of like you know someone from so long ago and then they grow up and you're like oh i remember when you were like 
five, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's it's a I little out of left field. It's just, it's uh, a little it's a little strange, as I can say. Yeah, I could see yeah. both. I mean, I played the original um, when you know she's portrayed as like what eight nine years old, however however young. Well, um, so yeah, twelve. Um, so. I, I, I could see it from both perspectives is like on one end it can be a little creepy but it could also be recontextualizing the character as an adult like you're saying um so i could definitely see it from both perspectives um i i don't think i thought about it as super creepy uh i, I yeah, there's I definitely really yeah there's definitely games out there that that do that and kind of you're know, just like ooh, i don't know about that one but um <laughs> Like, like even Resident Evil 4, like looking up like uh, Ashley's skirt and stuff when you're looking up a ladder, like that's mm. like almost, if not crossing the line, very close to it. So I don't think they did anything with with Sherry. Uh, in I don't think they actually close get to, to a. I don't think they actually get to a point where they cross the lines. So like I, like I don't mm. recall them crossing a line. I can see it being awkward. I don't. Personally, I, I I don't remember having a problem with it, but I can understand people having a problem with it. Uh, yeah. To be to be honest, like uh, I I didn't have so much like a problem with it because well, I, I was eight or nine when I first played Resi Two, and I I was a teenager first playing uh, Resi Six, so I was younger than Cherry both mm. games when I actually first played them. So that's interesting. Hmm. So, uh, Jake Mueller's campaign, it has some benefits. It was cool seeing him be a brash badass and like in the beginning with the intro where he beats up the Juavo and he starts talking a lot of smack. That, that part's pretty cool. I really did appreciate that. The real criticism comes in when you talk about his overblown vehicle segments and how boring and trite they are. They're full of trial and error nonsense, especially the part where you get on a snowmobile. And it's like fucking, <laughs> it's like Ice Cap City. It's like you're you're going down the slopes of Ice Cap City, and then there's the giant avalanche of snow coming after the player. Then they introduce the fact that the ice caps are elevated, and then they start basically just coming along the environment, like up and down on slopes, and it gets really hard to see in this section with all the snow everywhere and the blizzard and everything chasing you and then there's the avalanche right on your heels there's also a motorcycle segment later in the game where you could bump into one car and you're dead you you bump into any car and you are dead as dillinger i just did not like it i felt like jake is where they tried to get a little bit more experimental because they knew they wanted to make this vastly different from chris's campaign and leon's campaign and I don't think it worked in certain areas where they tried to be distinct. I think they should have just kept it, you know, relative to Jake using martial arts because that's one thing that he does here instead of a lot of vehicle segments and a big open world blizzard in chapter two, I think. At least with Chris's um, stuff, like you could kind of like buy that they would find a Jeep because there's obviously all sorts of hell going on. But but yeah, like I, I really threw, there was a lot of things that threw me out of Jake's mm. campaign, though, to be fair, like as far as that's concerned. Yeah, anything that takes place in Resident Evil 6, if it takes place in a snowy environment, chances are I don't like it. Um, with mm -hmm. Jake's campaign, like, opening up um, in that area where you're getting chased by the Nemesis 3.0, um, 
and especially the searching for the keys in the snow and then following that up with the snowmobile it just mm. none of it clicks for me none oh, of it feels good to knock right to be honest i i hate that uh snow section mainly because like because of a snowstorm, you can barely see anything, and then you're going up these freaking slopes where if you get shot by any of the snipers, you just slide all the way back down. It was, it just really annoyed me. So let me ask you guys, what are your thoughts on Ustanok as like this antagonistic force? This beast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, like to me, just kind of like a like a cheap man's nemesis. I never really, hmm. never but really I actually. Very think that it could probably take on nemesis in a fight like i think they made him so that in a way where they're like oh yeah this thing is stronger than nemesis like that's what it feels like i mean mm. like you're probably right but it's like it's i mean like if, yeah, it, he's was, not... if it was real fine but it's not so i don't believe it at all it's yeah. not memorable i feel at all. like it's Prob. I mean, Nemesis is obviously more memorable than Ustanok, but I feel like Ustanok is probably more powerful than Nemesis. Yeah, which makes sense with the like advancement of that sort of science and that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of science, one one key plot point that I, I do want to bring give reference to. I'm going to quickly mention something that guys mentioned previously. That is the um playing as playing as Sherry for the campaign. The only driving segment I got to do was the snowmobiles, and it was absolute fucking torture. The amount mm. of times, the amount of times we crashed. The one positive was good stream highlights, but apart from that, no. Uh, <laughs> one thing, and I absolutely do want to mention this because it's one of the parts that I loved from this playthrough, is seeing the callback. To Sherry still having the dormant G virus in her body and it having bonded with her on a cellular level. That was such mm. a cool callback. Seeing her heal after that piece of metal was pulled so, out of her. So yeah. I have a problem with this in mm. that I get it and it's an obvious callback and plot point. However, if she can just do that, why doesn't she do that throughout the entire campaign? Like, but it's not. Uh, I know you can't, it you, you can't do it when you're playing it because obviously it breaks the entire idea. You know, like in a cutscene, she gets impaled and she heals herself. Well, why isn't she healing herself far more regularly, like throughout the entire rest of the game? They did this. I mean, uh, at least in terms of story, that's not nothing. That's not anything new. The same. They had the same thing with Jill. Uh, yes. The whole uh, reason like that. that, like. Uh, Wesker was able to advance the virus he made in five was because of Jill's blood having like the 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 T virus bonded with with her yeah, from the end. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just cool, and I I can get it. I just hate the fact that they like they introduce oh Sherry has these regenerative abilities, yet she only does it in cutscenes, and that's it. Don't that's don't get me wrong. Like even even though I do like the callback. I, I absolutely did call it out as we were playing it, and I literally said, so wait there, guys. We've just pulled a piece of metal out of us, essentially, out of ourselves. Which you Yet should not have... do, by the way, kids. If you get impaled no. by a piece of metal, do not pull that thing out, for goodness mm. sakes. Absolutely not. But then we've been, like, on top of that, shot 16 million times, blown up, crushed, squished, and otherwise trampled. And these these healing abilities didn't even kick into the slightest capacity unless you want to argue maybe 
that it's like the whole Resident Evil 8 argument that we saw with Ethan and there are limits, but you know, that's it's, a, that's a it, hindsight it, argument. It's, it's complete rubbish. It's just, it, it's plot, it's just, you know, convenience of the game, it's suspension of disbelief, but I was just, I sort of just like, oh, come on, I get what you're doing, I get the tie-in with Birkin and to suggest that she's obviously different, and it's, and it's a way for the two to bond because they can obviously Jake can say, "Oh, you're different too." I can kind of get that, and there's like there's a way for them to like bond or whatever. Off, I was like, Gee. "It's so." I mean, that's true, but also their fathers worked together, and one exactly. There's, there's loads of, which there's they don't know about, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's so I thought it was. I thought it worked. I thought the two of them worked together. Are they yeah. the same age? Um, no. I'm gonna surprise longer. you here. Right, I actually nice. checked the uh, the law material. Jake is only twenty one. I can believe that he's younger. Yeah, than like, yeah, yeah. Jake yeah, is only twenty one. I checked that and double checked it. Yeah, I guess it makes a jury sense. So, mm. so uh, when are we going to find out who his mother is? Uh, I guess it was that. just. I guess it was just like a Virgil scenario where it's just like I just had fun one night and that was it. Yeah, pretty, 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 good pretty much. Mm -hmm. Just. You could say that Wesker was working on his early blueprint for some complete global saturation. Complete global saturation. Thank oh, you. Oh, Jesus. Ironically, I, I think that Jake is a quote-unquote link to the past because they wanted to sort of embrace the Wesker legacy going forward, yet they know that they probably killed Wesker also, they messed up. That's why his only conception is there in the first place. Wesker himself is a complete unruly egomaniac. Why would he want to have sex with another human being if he deems like the entire human race inferior to him and he hates people? I never understood that in the first place. They they, they wanted Wesker to have a kid, but they didn't know how to put it in. And they're yeah, just so like, they just kind of said they're just like, oh, duh. here's a kid, it, don't worry. Yeah, but people with god complexes, they still view other people as their tools. So, I mean, Maybe. it doesn't mean he loved Jake's mother. He could have just been like, you're he a probably to me, just, kind of thing. He probably just had to, you know, let one out. Mm. Yeah. yeah. To, to be fair, the deeper we go down this road, the, the more, the more my, my mind is making it even worse. What, what was the name of his RE5 voice actor again, Wesker's RE5 voice actor? Oh, crap. No, was yeah, he Douglas? Yeah, yeah I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, of course. I'm literally hearing this. I'm hearing this in DC Douglas voice as I go along. I'm literally just hearing, I have nutted and now I will leave. <laughs> no, I have nutted yeah. and now you, you I will probably, leave. You could probably DC oh, your own cameo to be that. Dude, you literally sound like Wesker, man. If you did like a voice actor role for Wesker, I would totally buy into it. You're so awesome. I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I pride myself on my Wesker. Uh, my Wesker um, impression. I actually <laughs> reached out to like some of those people who do impressions of characters and do like videos of like those characters interacting. I was like, oh, I could do Wesker if you want to like add a villain into the roster, and they don't respond. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I, I I think Ren. But if they want to, I can lend my talents. I I do think Ren needs to clip. I have noted, and I will leave for highlights. <laughs> I can do it. <clears throat> Hold on, ready? <clears throat> I have nutted, and I will leave. And see. Chris, I have nutted. 
<laughs> on you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, you're creating some really weird fanfic here, mate. Once upon a time, Chris and Leon found... No, never mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk more about my son, my progeny. You know, you know what? I have a hot take here. I have a hot take for the evening. Jake Mueller, Jake himself, the son of I have not it and I must leave. Jake Mueller, I didn't think that his his character was that bad. I, I, I really didn't have that big of a deal with him being a brash, stubborn person trying to learn his way in this world after being thrusted into it for being a mercenary. Like, I, I really didn't have a problem with that. I liked Jake. I hate him. I didn't like really despise him. I didn't. I didn't really care for him at all. Like particularly. It's all right. I love. I love doing uh, hands only fighting <laughs> with him. Fuck off, Wesker. Oh dear. I mean, I don't mind him. Although, yeah, he does change a bit throughout the game. Although he starts off as being like the snarky character who, with all the one-liners and stuff. But I don't mind him. His playstyle's fun. I think there's one thing important to Jake's sort of campaign that needs to be brought up that is relative to himself, personally. I think we need to mention his melee and how cool his melee system was where you could do, like, a couple of combos and you can vary it up and do elbows and then heavy stuns to the enemy as well as, like, run towards them with a command and, like, sort of jot from side to side as you home in on them and you do like a tiger fist strike and you do backflips and you do like back kicks and I, I just think that this entire martial arts system while it ate up a lot of stamina and you could put on things like kung fu master and make things a little bit better that's what made jake unique to me is the fact you could do all these crazy moves and pick people up off the floor and throw them down and do these crazy somersault kicks to their head and split their head into that was the unique part of his gameplay because i don't think anyone else in the game had his own unique martial arts style you know what i mean it was only jake in that mode uh that's what made it worthwhile for me to play just beating the crap out of everyone yeah he he has like wesker's move set a little bit like Reference to references to his moveset, right? Because he's the only one who could run, and Wesker could run. I mean, people. I mean, run in terms of gameplay. I mean, Chris is like, "What is run?" (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only one who knows how to run. Yeah, I mean, there's reasons to like Jake's campaign. I I think this campaign is more or less the essence of stumbling blocks between him and Sherry. Uh, They have this in touch connection they both are siblings of you know failed scientists whether it's william birkin or albert wesker you know a scientist not that they failed necessarily in certain ambitions and goals i'm talking about they failed as in they both died trying to achieve the dream of the ultimate life forms they are both related to these characters who are the main antagonists of resident evil 2 and throughout the entire franchise uh, so they were seen as these monsters, these absolutely despicable men who wanted to do anything for power. And you have this dynamic between 
Jake and Sherry where they don't like each other at first, but slowly they start to bond. Slowly this comes out throughout the story and then it sort of turns into a love story at the end of the day, which made it very interesting to people who are into that sort of thing. And I thought it was just something that they tried to do that was different compared to the other campaigns, which was, you know, a nice touch. Of course, you had Leon and Ada, but this was a little bit more deep seated, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to see yeah. more of them. I mean, they they stay. It, it did it. I can't remember. Did it hint that they stayed in touch at the end? Yes, there's like a sort of text message that Jake gives to Shuri at the end of the game. And I think he says something like, well, my blood is now worth $1 or something. I, I don't remember the certain context of it. I just remember that she's in a plane and she gets that message and then he rides off into the sunset with a familiar pair of glasses. So they do have each other's numbers, I believe, at the end of the game. Yeah, because the joke was like he was going to say, give him like a syringe worth, he wanted like $10 million. I think in the end he just takes a dollar. Yeah, that's what I... That's what I liked about his character arc. Oh, no, I was oh. just saying, in the end, I think <clears throat> he only takes a dollar. In the end, he's just like, yeah, a dollar. That's it. I'll take my dollar. And that, that was literally all he takes. As far as Jake goes <clears throat> as well, I when I first played it years ago, it was kind of a, a meh in terms of his character, but it was more of a, a leaning on an offensive kind of meh now it's very much an inoffensive slash kind of endearing meh i don't mind him he's okay he, he does all right and he, he does have that growth and i feel it's a bit rushed in parts i do feel it's a bit rushed in parts but i can also make that argument towards every single character in this game because despite being sprawling in scope the pacing of the game in general is all over the bloody place and it feels like a problem across the board so it's not anything jake specific but it's all right it doesn't really do any harm does it uh it's 50 dollars it was originally 50 million <clears throat> that was can't it. even I, get I, him a gallon of gas yeah so uh ada's campaign now to me this could be a little bit awkward because um, obviously, some people played into the game not having any idea about Ada and Ada's section. Uh, obviously, having played it years later after the the patch came out because of the whole on disc DLC stuff and Capcom getting to kind of hot water was about, it's it like oh, just have all this content then, you know, because obviously that was completely disgusting and wrong. Um, uh, obviously, I was aware that there was an Ada section right away, uh, so it wasn't so much of a surprise. But uh, did any of you guys like sort of play sort of at the time, and then obviously going for the game, you're like, "Oh, there's an Ada campaign. This is cool." Yeah. Okay. So when actually I... has me wondering if anybody played Ada's campaign before playing everyone else's campaign, unless that's what you just asked. I mean, uh, it's a little bit like that. It's more like when it... did you play the game knowing there was going to be an Ada campaign mm. or not? I, I think I knew about it, but I unlocked it the legit way the first time I played it, and played it single player. Honestly, that feels like how it was intended to be played. Yeah, it because was, it when was you try not intended for, for co-op. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when you try to... Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, when you try to play it with two people, the agent is never mentioned, and he just teleports all over the place. Yeah. Agent just gets shafted. <laughs> Agent. Well, yeah, I mean, it's better than 
nothing i guess yeah i mean it mm. was it was set up as a single player campaign it's exactly what it was but then they obviously <laughs> kind of threw in the agent to, to assist because like well the rest of the game's co-op you know we should probably have this co-op as well well mm. didn't anyways i, mean, I kind of get it it's ada she's she doesn't work with other people like that's fine but it was like kind of a throne at the end Mm. Yeah, the, there was, unless their name is Leon on release, there was <laughs> lots of complaints mm. on release about it being single player. So they patched in Agent, <laughs> but Agent yeah. couldn't do anything. He couldn't interact. He couldn't open yeah. doors. He couldn't. He hired a gun, and that was it. Yeah, mm. he could just fire his gun. <laughs> I'm gonna quickly poke my head in for this bit because it it really be will be one and done. I I unlocked it the the hard way when the game first came out. I got through like the first maybe 20 minutes, half an hour of the first chapter, absolute maximum, and just never went back to it. I'm just like, meh, you know what? I've had enough Resident Evil 6. I think I'm okay. And I stopped before ever really playing it through. So I will be, for reference, re-experiencing it soon. Oddly Mm. enough, the way that everybody just, uh, you know, gently railed on because of the agent's inclusion, I'll be playing it co-op but I've not experienced it in the intended way and certainly not finished it. So I'm just going to sit and politely listen to you guys chat about it and hear what you guys think and maybe pop in if I hear anything interesting. Yeah, I don't think playing it co-op makes it any worse. It's just that it doesn't add anything because it was never meant to. It was never meant to be. Yeah. It it does make certain parts easier, though, when you're fighting enemies. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'll keep my opinions brief on the Ada section. It's like what some people have already said before, where they try to consolidate a lot of other campaigns into hers, and it doesn't really churn out the best, or it really isn't varied enough. It's quite repetitive in sections, because once again, you start to get to this point, you already played like a good bulk of the game, you're replaying it just through Ada's eyes. But her story is, once again, through the perspective of her, where she has, like, most of the cards, and you're just trying to unravel what's going on with her. And I felt it was rather lackluster, especially during the ending, because it seems like they wanted to take Ada down a path of her own character arc finally changing and undoing her ways of being this super mysterious spy who is beyond humanity now after she killed all these cocoons in a room. And then in that scene, she gets another call from another shady employee or employer. And then the hunt is on for the next big virus to get in their hands as a simple pawn. And I thought that was very very underwhelming you have the chance to turn ada into a you know bow fighter someone against this idea and you just squander it like nothing like nothing ever happened it's just that's the one thing about her campaign that crawls under my skin i worry or, or wonder if they have the same problem that a lot of brands do with their characters and i'll use sonic as an example because i've been reading the sonic comic for years and i get some behind the scenes um like following the writer uh his podcast and q a and um it sounds like you know capcom might be doing the same thing that sega and i guess any other of these companies might be doing with their brands where 
they have an idea of this is how a character is and they don't want to change from that. And as a result, there is no learning. Um, there is no character development. So Capcom probably sees Ada as the mysterious spy for hire. And so they put her in this scenario where the story should naturally have her like learn, but then they're like, yeah, but for the brand recognition, she has to remain this way. And then they're like, okay, so she's not going to change. So I'm wondering if it's a result of that or if Capcom is okay with her changing and just didn't write that properly. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to segue us, but I do want to, I do want to put this in because since we are discussing Ada's character and, uh, and the potential, or, you know, the fact that, People feel that she's regressed. I was openly, just as a bit of background information, I was openly told by my stream guys that Silver, yeah, Ada's is the worst. Prepare yourself for it. Both you and Jonathan prepare for it. But just, um, just an addition, they do absolutely, with the upcoming, you know, re-release, or, no, or release, sorry, not re-release, of Resident Evil 4, the remake, have the chance now to flesh out improve and maybe even expand upon to some degree her story and given the trajectory of mm. what they're doing with current resident evil i feel they will and there's a good chance there so it's definitely something that might be on the table <clears throat> just adding that in not going to segue us too much yeah i mean going back to um i forget who was talking about the sonic comic but i kind of feel like that yeah, so the what Drew was saying about the Sonic comic, I, I feel like a lot of Resident Evil characters um, in comics, there's the whole idea of, you know, you're taking the toys out of the toy box, you're playing with them, the toys being the characters, and you're putting them back as you found them. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do that a lot with Resident Evil characters, where they take the toys out of the box, all these characters, they play with them, do what they want, but they always end up where they started, no matter how much character development there's there's been and obviously with thing with characters like chris or leon um i think those are probably the two characters with that have changed the most uh throughout the games um but most of the characters other than those two don't really develop very much and ada falls into that i think so i i think that probably goes in line with um uh the the thinking of you know she doesn't develop she does have to be that mystery woman that that spy um for hire that is going to always be there uh working in the shadows um just so they can continue to use her in that regard uh because if they don't um you know you either write away that whole uh concept or you develop a new character to take up that mantle and why would somebody a company like capcom write ada away when she's such a recognizable character in the entire series so um yeah i think i think if she's i I don't think we're gonna see ada develop um i think it would be cool to see her develop more in resident evil 4 but i don't think they really even did much with for her in resident evil 2 they obviously didn't do anything with her in resident evil 6 as far as developing her character further goes um so i I don't think we're gonna see that if she doesn't show up in in a future installment i don't think she's gonna develop beyond that Speaking of which, I'm I'm curious now if Capcom really does see these characters as like not allowed to grow, um, and what characters they put these restrictions on. Um, do they put them on characters that have been in previous games? Because new characters like Jake definitely 
go through character development from beginning to end, but he was only like he he goes through that development in the game he's introduced in. So and like he past, never shows up again. <laughs> right. So past so like are there any characters in six who have been in the series before who have gone through character development like in this game? I would say Chris kind of goes through a big character development in this game because he goes from, you know, vengeful to back to that like optimistic side of the Chris Redfield that we all know and love. So character development is a bit of an important thing for Resident Evil and there's been characters that have not been properly developed. There's been characters like Jake that is just a one and done. They show up on the milk carton and then they're automatically forgotten. Then there's other characters where they don't give them a chance to shine or they die or they kill them off way too quickly like some of the villains have been in this series. The thing with Ada is that I feel like she could gravitate more beyond side character status by by getting her own game the core of ada wong is her relationship with leon s kennedy they try to exploit that in this game but it just ends up going around in circles yet again i have feelings for you maybe you have feelings for me maybe and then it's never really culminated into that one particular sphere uh so i would like to see some life or death scenario of these two again where it's like everything's riding on the line and then someone could actually die in this relationship and then the other half has to sort of uh deal with some of the repercussions of what's going on and maybe someone gets infected again i don't know however that being said because ada is so mysterious in a way there's not really a lot behind her backstory outside of her making that made up alias and having this relationship so i would like for them to explore a little bit more of what she's thinking about all these bioterrorist nonsense and maybe give her some sort of uh opinion on that and some sort of change on that and they just haven't quite touched on that yet i i feel like they were setting up something great with her arc in this game and they just failed the mark for some reason when she was so close to being on the cusp of change. After all, it seemed like her main sympathy point was Carla doing these nefarious misdeeds and having a mirror of a chaotic person could have reflected in a way better, yet it wasn't really fully utilized to its fullest potential, I feel. Well, that depends yeah. on if they want to i mean they don't have to make every game take place in the year it releases i i think it's interesting that they do but i mean if they want they could make games that take place in like years prior yeah there's there's plenty of missions that that chris has probably been on that we could go out into or a like stuff that ada has done stuff that what right. you know what kind of stuff did wesker do in between all these uh I, i'd love to play a game as wesker or something revelations um, is but, like a game is is a game like that you know it took place it came out after five and took place before five so like they yeah. could do that mm -hmm. and or they it, Revelations uh, 2 as well. But yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, there was like one wild idea they had where it was gonna be Resident Evil taking place in feudal Japan, but that became on Onimusha. Hmm. It was gonna be called like Sengoku Biohazard. 
and Devil May Cry was also going to be Resident Evil 4, I think. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we with the main characters, you always see them. I mean, even in Resident Evil 5, I know we're talking about Ada's campaign, but Chris basically ends where he began, right? He, he starts the game on a hunt. Uh, for bioweapons he says he wants to get out but at the end of the end of the campaign what do we see we see him sitting in a restaurant or a tavern or whatever and an agent comes up to him and recruits him for another mission right so it's just this constant cycle of him wanting to get out getting involved in something wanting to get out then getting involved in something so i don't see them changing from that um I, i really don't uh I mean, I would love if they did for Resident Evil 9 and and tied up at least Chris's story uh, at this point because they, they've kind of set it up with those two games. But yeah, I don't I don't think they they want these characters to to have a conclusion. I, I think they're more like comic book characters. They're like a, a Batman, a Superman, a Wolverine, a whatever. They just yeah. go forever. They just want them to be, you know, forever young and, and fighting these, these zombies. I, that's interesting because, um, I mean, from from the perspective of characters not changing, like Batman is never gonna kill the Joker. Joker's never gonna kill Batman, at least in the main comics. I mean, if they do spinoffs, their adaptations, they could, I guess, do whatever they want. But from that perspective, it's strange. You'd think that they'd be like, okay, Chris is never gonna kill off Wesker, but then he did. You know, and like what we're seeing is the result of characters having changed or died. And I'm wondering if Capcom is like, ah, I wish we didn't do that. Yeah, I think they, I think they're OK with side characters dying or background characters. I think mm-hmm. that's where they take advantage of the character arcs, the the Jakes, the Piers um, and, and where they should. You know, Ada is a side character. They should do more with her 100 um, percent. But the main characters, I think you're going to say the same. But when you get into the I guess that's maybe one of the cool things about Resident Evil 6 is that the, you have the chance to experience these side characters that do actually have uh, an arc where they start in one place and finish somewhere else. Uh, but they never do that with the main characters. And, it, and it's kind of it's kind of disheartening. But at the same time, it, it makes Resident Evil safe. You know, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into almost always. Yeah. I feel like I just correct me if I'm wrong. I I just came back in. I had to just go grab something. Um, at the discussion of these characters remaining static, essentially. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I actually want to add some weight to the argument that was just made right there by Zamzara. Uh, like. Okay, a very prime example of this right now, present day argument, is actually Street Fighter 6. You look at the trailers and promotional material for Street Fighter 6 that are dropping, obviously another Capcom IP. We've we've still got Chun-Li and Ryu in the game, and I was talking to my partner about this the other day, and I was like, yeah, you know, they're still in it. They're they're pushing well into their forties now, and I believe Chun Li is in her late forties, and they're still not mm-hmm. letting Chun Li go. They they cannot let these core roster members go because I I personally think, and I know a fair few will probably agree with me to some degree. There's obviously a large scale emotional attachment getting mm-hmm. people to let go of characters that they've known and seen 
for 20 years is going to be hard. Like, Chris Redfield is going to be one big one. And let's also ask the question of the fan favourite. What in the world will a lot of the RE fandom do when it's finally time to let go of Leon Kennedy? I will Damn. fight in the streets. Suicide. <laughs> exactly. For, for reference. Ouroboros, that's what I was going to say. Oh, jeez. I was going to yeah. say, for reference, she was born in 68, so if Street Fighter Six takes place in modern day, she would be 54. Oh, and older. Whoa. As she has said, the ages don't necessarily matter because they never confirm the ages after a certain point, so it's up in the air how old they really are. The last confirmed ages for most characters was literally early 30s. Like Ryu, for example, yeah. I think it's 33 in Street Fighter 3, third strike, so age doesn't necessarily mm. matter right now for Street Fighter characters. <laughs> Age is just a number. Yeah. Mainly because they're oh, doing no. the they're doing the whole floating timeline thing, keeping things ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, we were talking about Ada. <laughs> I have like a really love hate relationship. I like playing as Ada, but I don't like all her chapters. It's kind of like a combination of all the worst chapters. But also, I have some some good ones. That's my stance on Ada's chapters. I thought her chapters were some of the best. Yeah, that's why I said I have a love-hate relationship hmm. for it. Like, I, mean, I, like I, 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 I like chapter I, three, I, but I don't like I, chapter I've, two. I've played chapter f- two through like loads of times because, for one, is it's it's the one where you can get the most skill points in a single chapter run. Yeah, that's Ooh. the one I don't enjoy. I think the problem I had is by the point I'd got into this stage, I had been playing this game for well in excess of 20 hours, and I was just like, I just want to see. Yep. I mean, honestly, after chapter one, you're revisiting old chapters that have, so I was like, again, it's kind of tiresome. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at, where I had, like, I I played all the chapters back to back, you know, just in order Leon, Chris, Uh, Jake, and then Ada. By the time you get to Ada's campaign, you're just so exhausted of the game, (laughs) in my opinion. Really? It sounds like some of you. Yeah, like, I got to Ada's and I was just Mm -hmm. tired of the game. Like, I just wanted it to be over. I don't even remember that much from Ada's campaign, to be completely honest, because I was just, I was just a pilot through the whole thing. That's about (laughs) it. There was a ship at one point. Lots of goo. Uh, yeah, I, I remember goo. Oh. I remember lots of goo. <laughs> what I did That's like literally... about the campaign was seeing like a different perspective on other characters' campaigns because she, mm. like, you got to see oh what actually happened there, and then you play her campaign, and you're like oh that's what happened. Okay, so I liked mm. it from that perspective. If anything else, I mean, like, I, I actually enjoyed it. But what I mean is, like, if I didn't, I would probably still appreciate it as, like, a bonus uh, Mm. for each other scenario. Like, oh, yeah, so that's what happened there. That's what was going on there. Yeah, I I like that idea of it because I love seeing the same event, like, in movies, TV, games. I love seeing the same event (laughs) from a different perspective. But I wish it was, was like, a tighter experience for Ada's campaign. (laughs) You wish it was better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wish it was better. I like the idea. I wish it was better. So entire experience feels a bit of uh, a bit of the wrong words. You see what the hell she was wearing? Good grief. Mm. Wait, what did she like freaking naked in the first cutscene she was in? Like, yes. I'm like, why? Yeah, I just yeah, remember why? I mean I don't remember her being naked, but I do remember um 
uh, what was it leon and alena came across the videotape of of carla being yeah that's what i was born or like created no, and I, mean, I remember that one the very first scene, scene when she yeah. comes on the ship that little pod thing she comes out literally naked yeah oh yeah, yeah. Asks, <laughs> there's no answer or reason why she was but she was she just felt like maybe i mean they probably just want to you know throw in a little fan service <laughs> I will. Yeah. To be honest, That's like, uh, um, like, uh, th there were like definitely some certain aspects of Ada's campaign that kept me interested. Uh, Her aspects. Yes. Aspects. Um, to be honest, there is a reason why me and my friends call it the fan service campaign. <laughs> Understandable. Mm. Understandable. Yes. I mean, when when she's crawling in those vents, I mean, you definitely get a good camera angle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the uh, devs were like, can we lower that camera a little bit when she's crawling? Yeah. The they yeah. Were, you yeah. Know, they, I was going to say, Capcom kind of knew what they were doing there. <laughs> lower. Lower. Too low. There are, there lower. are plenty of segments in, in, in the game where there is a female character crawling in a tight space and the camera pans down. Does it with Sherry as well if you're playing as her in Jake's campaign? Uh, Sherry, Helena, and uh, Ada. Or pretty much Ada all of them. Yeah, all of them. Pretty much all of them. And uh, uh, what uh, was mentioned just a second ago about the cocoon, it's only adding ammunition to the argument that Simmons is the ultimate simp. I mean, who loves a woman so much that he bursts a clone out of a cocoon? Mm. <laughs> it's all very disturbing. Such a simp. Yeah. 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 Simpins. <laughs> I mean, like that. Simpins. Does anyone here actually simp for any uh, RE character? I wouldn't yeah. say simp, but I would say Jill is my waifu. I mean, I like Claire. <laughs> if I had to Claire. use a waifu. Claire all the way. Yeah, Claire for sure. Claire. Claire. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, Arsenal support fan. I, I've made this apparent on many podcasts. I mean, I like Rebecca, but she's bare, but she pretty much hasn't been treated that well by Capcom recently. Uh, I mean, she's only in like uh, zero one, and then Vendetta. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, like, obviously, uh, um, Evil Nine coming. Unless in, you I count like mercenary mode. Yeah, but that's not really like actual story. It doesn't really count, no. But mm. that's fine. But I don't know. You might find she might uh, she might be popping up in Resident Evil Nine. You know, you have to say. It Come definitely on. feels like we've watched Shadow that said that. I'm gonna add some weight to that. That add weight to that hypothetical. It definitely feels like with the tone Resident Evil Eight ended on that we are again not gonna segue. It's just adding to it that we are converging on something potentially big, and it's gonna be something mm. big as well with the way it ended. So that's not outside the realm of possibility. That, that won't be the big thing. Um, I've talked about it as well, my expectation of the game, but I wouldn't be surprised you're going to see a host of cameos. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Bare minimum. Yep. You can find me over on YouTube at uh, BlackShow993. You can also find me as well on Twitch at Black underscore Shadow underscore 993. Uh, we'll be delving into a pacifist run of Dino Crisis, which I have not played in many years, and it's probably a horrendous idea, but people pay me $500 to do it, so I was like, sure the hell it could be it could be fun could be a laugh so uh, that is uh, that but other than that uh, it's been nice to have you here and uh, we'll catch you all soon take care guys later bye. later take care. Bye. see you all right brandito so since you got here late i want you to sort of rapid fire 
what you thought of all four campaigns between Leon, Chris, Jake, and Ada? Uh, sure. Uh, from, I guess you could say, narrative standpoint, Chris is the best one. Uh, Jake was fun. Leon, I could care less about, because nothing practically happens in this campaign, aside from revealing that someone's a simp for Ada. So, that, that's the TLDR there. Just to stop the simp. <laughs> Speaking of, like, character arcs that don't go anywhere, I, I feel like they introduced this concept of Simmons to counter Leon and have like Ada define herself as someone who's just not looking for any relationship. And that didn't change either. I, I almost feel like they were trying to build up <clears throat> Leon and Ada and like this is the game where they finally decide that they're gonna be together. And at the end she's like, Nope. They they really need to just get together. Well, apparently in a movie they said that they did, and then that was it. It's like they yes, met they up. When I said it, it, it confirmed that the, the deed was done. Which one was it? Yeah. Damnation? Was it damnation? Oh, Vendetta, I thought sorry. that. Well, sorry. I guess that's assumed. Damnation. Okay. I guess it's assumed, but it also I just, I mean they uh, they said they went on a date or something, right? They met up. I guess it's assumed that they did the deed, but. But finish off from that might, night could mean that they never got around to doing the deed, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, we should uh, never finish. The... <laughs> we never got to that moment because you, you had to run no, and no. Uh, you had a you had a mission to do. You had to run after dinner. Like, how about we pick up uh, <laughs> where we left off? Okay, Leon was left with a half sad. He was left with a half sad hand job. <laughs> Let me repeat that again. Leon was left with a half sad hand job. With a ping to it, like a phone notification or something. <laughs> no. When the when the micro when the microwave pings in the middle of the fall play. Oh god! I think we're moving on to the next question here. This is question nine. Let me read this off. Did the story and characterization ultimately tie together after witnessing? All four campaigns, did the various storylines mesh well or feel thrown together? Also, give your thoughts on the epilogues as well. It's a very hard. That's a big question. I, I'll, mm. I'll, I'll start, and then I think it's best other people expand. I feel like that a lot of the plot points in this game, in general, from Simmons overarching antagonistic you know kind of role in things to his overreach on the like the story in general i feel like a great deal of the story in terms of pacing and its impact was kind of all over the place and towards the back end as well you started to see things being rushed and stretched very thin like very thin. I, I I personally have the opinion that this is the weakest mainline game in terms of story. And I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna put Simmons on the cross now and just be done with it. He's the he's an antagonist for the sake of being an antagonist, and it leads to a storyline that is weak. It it closes, but it closes very weakly just in terms of its general flow from the combination of all of the stories coming together. How does anybody else feel about the pacing and potentially 
how well it closed in and of itself. Okay, here's my opinion on how I think the story tied together. So there were some arcs. It, it all was related to Jake and the C-Virus and trying to get that cure before this epidemic went into catastrophic levels. Uh, that was what the plot centered around, along with these connections and tie-ins to previous characters in the series, as well as Ada being the overseer. In terms of a plot and how they tied things together, I just think it dragged on for far too long. You're talking about like a 25 hour, 30 hour game to get some exposition that kind of falters a little bit. It's like off and on. Granted, I did enjoy some of the campaigns of this game. As we talked about earlier, I think Leon's like sort of gameplay and the things you could do with that particular campaign was a bit stellar however his story went nowhere as far as character progression goes if anything it was more about helena having that loss and sort of rising up and then seeing how leon gets out of this tricky situation because he deals with women getting him in trouble a lot so i think it's messy definitely all over the place while you have chris's that is strong you see the antagonist where it's like Carla and Simmons. Carla is like super chaotic. She's in it to wreck shit. And while I don't mind a villain having that substance behind them, it just feels like a little bit more could be obtained from them being built up. Maybe they survive. I think Ari's problem is killing all these interesting antagonists off before you have time with them. And Carla was no different when she got sniped from the guy in the helicopter. Simmons on the other hand once again this is why like these villains aren't paramount to wesker because simmons is simpins and therefore he was transforming into eight thousand different things at the end of the game and he was linked to the family but they don't really extraordinarily delve into that detail so because of that the villains feel weaker due to their own hubris early automatically and that's that kind of makes them stupid in my opinion that kind of makes them incompetent for all these events going down and having no know-how of the heroes and where they are until they do then it's like a goose chase all around the environment in terms of any significant impact outside of the sea virus bombing china and all that stuff it really didn't feel super pertinent to a lot of the characters in the story I think it squandered potential, interesting ideas, interesting setups, could have had interesting villains like Simmons with his inside connection with the NSA, yet it just all feels sacrifice at the altar just for the sake of having big boss fight near the end of the campaign instead of doing something relatively significant with them. Yeah, yeah I think them throwing in <clears throat> the backstory with him, like actually being the one to like just adding him in and being like oh well he's the head of the family and like he it just comes out of nowhere and it's like there's no gravity to his motivation other than Did they actually say in the game he was the head of the family i was always under the assumption that he was working with or for the family and i was always like mm -hmm. well who's in charge of the family and who is the family and i guess the intention was that maybe they somehow dissolved after he died but i can't imagine a giant like secret society would dissolve just because their leader died like i thought well, that was kind of lost opportunity for, yeah, for story. I don't really that 
that did happen before with another organization, so it is possible. But considering that this is actually family ran and not some random Joe coming in taking over, right? I can see that mm-hmm. it could be like maybe in fighting and it just crumbles underneath because there's no established leader. Yeah, I, I guess mean, so. He, but he, if he had he relatives or any, yeah, so but someone think, else could come in if he had I mean, any. If it was a giant, if he had family, but so far it's no confirmed family. So, but I mean, if it was a giant like thing, even if it was a small thing, there were other people. So even if it was like him and one other person, then that other person, you know, is now calling the shots. Or if it was him and five other people, I'm sure those five could agree on okay, somebody's got to lead it now. Or maybe they could just fight amongst themselves and they die. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, Simmons 2.0 in Resident Evil 9, and we'll just... Resident Evil <laughs> has so much, like, potential to explore past ideas, and they don't. <laughs> mm. This In this case, we have pretty solid consensus, I'm, I'm assuming, amongst us all, that in terms of actions, and or at least individuals here, right? Nobody has, at least since his demise, topped Albert Wesker as an overarching series villain. No, like, no. nobody yeah, is. Part of that is not even close. Part of that, part of that is because nobody appears for like more than one game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, if you had a, a villain appearing in like two or three more games, then you'd be like, all right, they're probably the next big villain. See, that's what I they really just don't missed. do it anymore. That's what I really miss uh, from Resident Evil 7 and 8 is like there should have been a Wesker type figure that was working in the shadows, pulling the strings. I think that was another missed opportunity um, to show like they should have shown who manipulated uh, the family in Resident Evil 7 to become what they are and who you well, know, that was took supposed over to the be. village. That is OK. Technically, yes, there actually is a um a figure but it's more like an organization called the connection they're behind all the mold stuff which is why no seven yeah. eight happened to wait a connection you said right but but there's yeah, no but there's, there's no there's wesker no figure yeah like there's that... no wesker sure though but the wesker in question really is just the organization itself the connection that's what we got right now as far right as which is right? far more boring than a cool guy in sunglasses and a black trench coat you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> so i if we're talking about arcs and and villains for arcs um i thought it was interesting that capcom released in i think it was exclusively in japan like a series um collection and there were three different boxes and each box was considered volume one volume two and volume three and they had names for them um so i guess maybe internally they see them as these arcs so like um zero to to code veronica is fall of umbrella and four five and six are threat of bioterrorism and then seven and eight are episode of ethan winters so i don't know if they see episode of ethan winters since it's only two games as like a standalone or separate thing in which case four five and six as threat of bioterrorism is like the in-between or or like and if you were to say threat of bioterrorism is four five and six there really is no main villain. It's just like a whole bunch of filler arcs. What about Natalia Wesker and Rose Winters from Resident Evil uh, later in the series while they're setting up? The problem with Rose is that that's like 
18, 20 years later or something, in which case, if we're going to jump into that timeline, then we're really, like, concluding things with all the characters up to that point. Not necessarily. I'm, I'm going to hop Unless in Unless they're here. older. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, let me jump in real quick. I think that there is the container in Resident Evil 8. It was also in Village as well, where they said the contents of the rose container will age rapidly. There was that put in there to read. So I think in terms of like current timeline, timeline jumps that they say happened in Resident Evil Village, I just think that this is a byproduct of Rose getting older due to the contents being aged up. And you could say it involves the mold as well. Yeah, I was I was actually going to say that I was going to pick up exactly on what Ren was there because obviously eight spoilers ain't going to matter at this point because obviously Ethan was infected with the mold. He then went on to birth a child who had essentially, well, no, Mia did, but, you know, fused. The child was fused with the mold. While so he was dead. A, a general assumption is that she has also inherited the the rapid aging of Evelyn from Seven, so they've basically now got an actually reasonably well-executed plot workaround to have her possibly as a young adult in the in the next game with Chris as a caretaker. So I I could quite realistically see a scenario where we have Chris and Rose both playing really? an acting part. Building off of that, they could even say, oh, by being birthed from somebody infected, she has a perfected um, biology where she ages up to adulthood and then remains adulthood. It's kind of like, yeah. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Guilty Gear, but I think Dizzy was the same way. She's like a like an adult, but she's only like three years old. Not played much Guilty Gear, so that's not in my realm of expertise, but if anybody else can corroborate that. He's correct. Yep. Nice. Yeah, so like Rose could be someone who, like she could be like even five or whatever the age differences between eight and like Resident Evil 8 Village and the next game they come out with and they could be like yeah she she's only 10 but she aged to like her prime and stays at her prime thanks to having inherited like perfected version of the mold or something you know I could they can they could do what they want with this when they're talking about mutations and biohazards and biological stuff they could make up any excuse <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah they really can they definitely can um, I didn't even think of that. I guess we can move on to number 10 and go from there. So what is your favorite and least favorite enemy within the game? Oh, uh, oh personally, wow. I don't like any of the enemies in the game. But if I pick favorite just by design, it would be the Jawalas themselves. It's like how they can just mutate just by blowing up a limb and depending on the, on the um, I think <laughs> difficulty, they can um, yep. like completely transformed. I had the legs with like grasshoppers, the arms with the stretchy stuff, whatever. So I, I can appreciate that on that little stuff though, but generally speaking, all the enemies suck. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I hate anything that flies in these games, but mm. uh, as far as favorite goes, yeah, I like how the uh, Javo um, mutate in this one, depending on where you shoot them and uh, they kind of adapt. I thought that was a, a cool take on Resident Evil enemies. I like a lot of the uh, enemies for their designs, at least like, 
there's enemies that I'm just like, oh, this thing again. But their designs are really awesome. Um, like, and I forget I, some of the names. I forget like the the thing with the the, the chainsaw that comes from its spine so it's like a, a whole spinal cord chainsaw and then um the uh oh i was just thinking of it um the i think they were called bloodshot and i oh, i yeah. think that they were kind mm-hmm. of cool as like a a dead end evolution of where the liquors came from or because they're a different virus so the bloodshots remind me of like the liquor of the c virus so making these connections to monsters Mm. from other viruses makes me appreciate some of these monsters more that's a that's a really solid observation actually looking at it um i i initially thought that this was going to be one and done when this question was asked a second ago (laughs) <laughs> because in 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 terms of in terms of Chris's storyline and also Sherry and Jake's, I'm trying so hard not to say Jerry and Jake still. <laughs> anyway, um, in regards to their storylines, you don't get many many unique enemy types, so to speak, because you've just got Juavo that typically mutate in a million different ways. Whereas Leon's campaign didn't have that because you had the generic zombie, ver- you know, or enemies. So they needed to bring in more unique variations of zombies and enemies to compensate for having one core enemy that couldn't mutate as aggressively or as dramatically. So there's 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 options to choose here, and if I was if I was gonna say, um favorite enemy still even with all i've said in mind the juavo and the multiple mutations were more of a, a frustration than a than a point of enjoyment to me so they're out the equation i can tell you my least favorite enemy enemies immediately is those fucking pig things that you fight in leon's scenario and also a little bit in um pig things oh jerry Jake. I, I don't know what these things they have a name, but it's so hard to say. But I just call you know them the, they look like the blue regenerator monsters that uh, oh. oh yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I can't remember most of their names because they're hard to pronounce. Regenerator wannabes. Yeah. Basically yeah, came from those. like um pig body parts as you see in Leon's storyline and just run around squealing and they yeah, because they come out of like yeah. a pile of pig flesh oh, and form into I like, never made that connection i just assumed yeah. they were hanging out in there like feeding on the 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 yeah. meat or something yeah and they're like huh. almost unkillable yeah they just keep what getting back called? uh hey, some hey. weird serbian name i don't i don't know how to i just call them blue regenerator but because that's essentially what they are Regenerate not yeah i don't know i at least the regenerators just bite out your neck while the while those things just do the whole like face hugger shit yeah, they give you a suck. They give you the suck. They impregnate the character. <laughs> the, 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 that death scene is pretty one of the most gory death scenes in that game uh, by far, with the exception of the fan. Uh, is that's pretty like gruesome and sick. I I can't unsee one of those pig things putting Leon into the sausage grinder. Oh, I yeah, can't, I can't unsee that. You ever microwaved one of the hands? No. Yeah, okay. I, I've done I, it actually. Yeah, I did it. He never knew he could fun. do that. <laughs> I me mean, either. 
Sounds like something out of like Gremlins. Oh, we're also we speaking of enemies, completely forgetting the zombie variations. Oh, you mean like the, the call whoppers? The, the whoppers, and like the scream. Yeah, the those are pretty cool whoppers too. Whoppers and the Big Macs. Yeah. <laughs> the Big Macs. Uh, but yeah, whoppers. but yeah, least favorite would probably be like those those lizard things that just run away and shoot at you. They were kind of easy actually. It was just just mm. sprint into him slide and then you can actually do a special animation where he'll grab the lizard's head and he'll do like a knee strike until they're like knocked down uh oh. i i will say as for annoying enemies those fucking crab like mutations for the Juavo where they oh, can yeah they climb on the walls and stuff no Oof. it's it's the one where if they mutate their whole like upper torso turns into like an orange crab and if they grab you they'll do, oh yeah those things they'll do like <laughs> yeah. a lot of damage yeah it does yeah actually or I the ones that the, just um... swing at you like crazy mm. I pulled up like a list of the BOWs to a you know, to see who we're talking about and if we're missing any. And their I names like... are quite interesting because I don't know how to speak Serbian, Croatian, so I don't know how to pronounce these. But, like, you look at something like the crab thing you're talking about, and it's called Glava Smek. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but it's an interesting name. <laughs> but some of these mutations are really cool. What a couple yeah, of names. They, de they depend yeah, on I do. where oh, they're sorry. shot. I'm sorry. I, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I do like the idea that they mutate depend on where you shoot them, like the ones with like the armored legs or the big arms. It would have been cool, and I don't know if they didn't do this because maybe it would have gotten too complicated or difficult to program. Um, but it would have been kind of cool to see like the mutations continue on the same Duavo. Like you mm. shoot its leg, and the the leg turns into i don't know let's say the grasshopper thing and then you shoot its head and then it still has the grasshopper legs and then the head turns into something else like it would have been cool to see like all these mix and matches but i guess maybe it would have been too difficult or i don't know man what, but there's what a bunch of enemies completely forgot about like the swarm of bugs and uh mm. And um, oh yeah, big hated beefy like things. hunter wannabes. Yep. Oh, stupid bee thing. Yeah, because you, the, in order to kill it, you have to shoot at the bee like man, the figure at first, and then uh, there's mm, Yeah, then there's the maggot thing that sort of shoots out of it, and you got to kill that. Yeah, very annoying. Well, I, enemy. I think yeah, you have to break the the swarm apart. Yep. I was just going to say, I think I might be able to pronounce what's just been put into chat there. I, I believe that is Rasklapanje. Yep. You are a better man. Yeah. Uh, I can't pronounce that for sure. Huh. Something interesting. I didn't make this connection until now, but the, the bug swarm thing that's called Gnezdo or Nesdo, however it's pronounced, is very similar to um, Dimitres the Dimitrescu daughters. Like, mm. they were, like, yeah. one thing that broke into a swarm of things. Yeah. But they didn't have, like, a hive mind queen or something, queen fly bug that, um, mm. and they also, but they also had the advantage of being able to come back together and looking human. This thing was just, mm. like, 
a swarm led by a, a queen bug and it could kind of stay together. So it, it's, it's really interesting that they're very similar, but they're so different at the same time. Anyone else have yeah. any uh, favorite enemies or least favorite? Uh, I, I'd, I'd have to say I like the Napods. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, what are those? Yeah. The giant pink gorilla things that Chris fights. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, those. Yeah, the they can be, yeah, the ones they're that pretty, are all arm, armored up. They're pretty easy to fight. Nobody's talking about the El Gigante wannabe. I know there's, know. like, an animation oh, where you can yeah, stop them in their tracks. Yeah. Why? The uh, Ogroman. Ogroman, yeah. There's so Why? many enemies that I just forgot about. Why in like, Chris's campaign didn't we get Chris in a boxing ring with a napod and just, you know, <laughs> mano y mano, fist on fist, just going down. They should just reuse the animation of him punching the boulder. That's like, what I'm saying. Punching the napod, like, chrysalis thing. <laughs> they have it. Uh, when I was playing as Chris, I went freaking ham with my fist on the napods. Actually worked really well. Huh? I just remember... Bird things in the like snow area. Oh, fuck those! I, I hate oh, those. Enemies. Oh. There's so many enemies. I feel like I does this those. game have the most amount of enemy variety? I think so. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I want to say yeah. yes. Yeah, considering it's spread it. across three different campaigns. Had discount yawn. I didn't even. I didn't realize it until I going back. Village and might. At it. Village might have a similar amount because it's Snake. a couple different areas. Seven has a nice chunky one enemy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, uh, it's some variations. Free enemies. <laughs> yeah, variations. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can sort of move on to the bosses because uh, they're sort of getting bought up. But uh, I would say favorite would be uh, chaos, the the giant translucent skull thing that you fight at the end of Chris's campaign. And least favorite, I gotta say Simmons. I, I could not mm -hmm. stand Simmons uh, after a certain point. It just got very annoying of him transforming into everything. I have to say, my favorite was Simmons. Interesting. <laughs> like, uh, my favorite is Ustanex. Ustanex. Okay, I like the fist yeah. fight at the end. Like, that is... Yeah, Ustanex, the fist fight against Ustanex was great. I said, the one thing I will say, um, Resident Evil 6 got really right, though, was you no know, Atarant as Ustanex. Like, sure, he's bullet sponge though, but I enjoyed fighting him because he felt like an actual threat in the game, unlike most enemies in the game. Mm. The coolest moment, yeah. it, the coolest moment literally is when Jake is fighting him over the lava and you're just beating the crap out of him. And then he mm. does that one super punch and he falls in. That is the most hypest moment of the game. I, I'm not a mm. biggest fan of Jake's <laughs> campaign, but that moment right there is so cool. Oh, yeah, mm. another moment though, as crazy as this moment was though, is him fighting back the um power drill in um chapter what was it two? I believe. Oh yeah. I uh, just literally brute forcing that thing back before he got um paled. I'm like, okay, this man got some guts. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Alright, my mm. least favorite though, boom. That's a good one. I'm probably I probably will say Simmons because I, I just didn't enjoy fighting some of his forms. Well, I do like the fly corner because I thought that was pretty, um, well, as stupid as it looked, though. It was pretty cool that he just turned into a giant-ass fly out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm. And then when you have to fight him as a dinosaur and you have to get on the the fucking, uh, the fucking car just to shoot him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the dinosaur. The dinosaur was stupid. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, get behind the freaking turret and start shooting. Like, no. I'd rather fight him legit, man. Come on. 
I mean, it is cool when he turns back to normal and you can just beat him up. With how his size kept growing, I'm curious how big it would have gotten. What, like to, I don't know, like Godzilla height? That would have been fun. He was already, like, bigger than Godzilla, right? No, no, he is not even close to Godzilla size. How big is Godzilla in law? Um, quite big. No. Hmm. Just wondering. It's on the movie. I don't know. He's around. Okay, so he's confirmed to be three hundred and ninety-three feet. Yeah, that's big. That's yeah. big, big. Mm. And there's some iterations where he's actually bigger than that. Ah, fair enough. Just wanted to point a reference. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose the, the cop out option here. Is just gonna be saying Simmons like a few others, but at the same time, upon reflection, now that people have brought him up right now it's made me think about it more than in a way more than i did while playing it because at the time i'm gonna be quite open and honest with like you guys here and now i was just sat there chatting to my stream chat while 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 my mod was just powering through and doing most of the work but that that got it gets tedious as all hell after a while doesn't it so I'm actually going to pick Simmons as the as the least favorite there because it's like yeah. a million different forms. Yeah, like you like you supposedly kill him so many times that it like it got kind of ridiculous. How many how many times is it going to take before he finally dies? I think you I think you killed him about freaking seven times in um in like one chapter or something that that and I I don't buy. I'm getting a monstrous freaking spike through his middle and then not dying. I I don't buy that. Just don't buy that at all. But it's like, okay, now if we go favorite, um, I really enjoyed fighting the invisible snake thing. We we fought that in in our session on Wednesday. Oh, discount yawn. This count yawn was actually quite enjoyable for me because none of the others are really sticking out in memory. Yeah, the Houston act was okay in bits, but the snake, I actually really thought it was quite all right. So yeah, I'll go for the snake thing. Uh, there is an honorable mention that I was going to put in chat, uh, but I will say the helicopter boss for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. That is not memorable to me in the slightest i know you kill it with like the grenade launcher but it just felt i don't know if i would say out of place because like chris's game was like just a military shoot him up anyway in the first place with bow's but it just didn't feel fun to me it was just something about it that was just like boring constantly like going down the ladder getting more grenade ammo and then you gotta dodge out of the way of the missiles. So even when you kill it, it doesn't feel like rewarding as some of the other bosses. So I have to say that one is also kind of a resident sleeper. Totally forgotten about that one as well. We also did that on Wednesday. And now that I think about it upon reflection, we we just stood there because we were playing on standard difficulty, both unloaded about eight grenades into it. And then we were done. And it was just like, yeah, totally forgotten about it until you mentioned it there Renit. that's how forgettable it is fighting him on professional or the helicopter on professional you have like no ammo you gotta keep jumping down and waiting for it to respawn and then he will unload missiles that can probably kill you if you're in the way so uh, it's just such an annoying fight I, I don't think it's good at all 
I'll politely pass on that at a high difficulty, I think. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But Gage, like the you, you Agromon ha- battle. Yeah, Agromon was cool, but uh, before you cut in, Gage wanted to add in his point of oh yeah, go ahead. the boss that he had. The infected shark or fish or whatever it was in Leon's campaign, which is basically just a quick time event. Yeah. Fight. Yep. Um, Leon three. No reason it to be in that in that campaign at all. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> yes, that was that. not fun. Agromans like, uh, were it's cool too. Just a quick time event, and it's pointless. Yeah, the fish mm-hmm. uh, creatures. <sighs> You press the buttons, he's dead, but that's it. it. He might be kind of shocking if you're playing as Leon because you're trying to swim away from him, but if you have a competent Helena, then he's nothing, pretty much. Yeah. It was certainly shocking for me, but then again, that's because <laughs> I've had a lifelong um, a lifelong phobia of fish, so that wasn't fun. Oh, man. I mean, you can have a competent AI if you have infinite ammo and you... Um, I don't remember if you can assign them weapons in six. I know in five, I would just give Sheva of like the the strongest Magnum because the AI had the best aim. So just give her the str- the strongest infinite Magnum, and it was like having the best partner. But I don't remember in six you can't assign weapons to no your partner, right? Them in six. I'm pretty sure AI has even ammo anyway though. Yeah, even when you use infinite ammo, though, the AI is not adjusted to realizing it has infinite ammo. So they'll still try to use, like, handguns and stuff before using a magnum. It's like, you have infinite, just use a magnum. And they're like, no, I I was programmed to use this handgun first. Like, (laughs) ah. Yeah, the joys of AI. Just gonna, just gonna quickly, um, just gonna quickly give a very, very small, unrelated shout out here in terms of Sheva being mentioned. Yeah, yes, she hoovered your ammo, but god damn, could that woman hit things when she aimed at them? I'm gonna give credit. Mm-hmm. And she was that ass. Ammo was mm-hmm. good. I mean, aiming was good, not ammo. <laughs> <laughs> was good stuff. Right? Yes. All uh, right then. <laughs> so any more bosses before we move on um i, I mentioned agramon and i think one of the reasons i like it is because of other stuff around it um i did like the concept of oh i have to u- utilize the terrain to actually get my hits in but um i liked how it that was the first time that sherry and jake worked with chris and Piers, and then i liked in the mercenaries like seeing Agarbon coming from like outside the map and just hanging out there like sniping it before it got onto the map so like i liked him for other reasons you know but his boss battle was fun because i did like i said i did like like sneaking through the buildings and and having to like get a clear shot on him mm. I like ripping the spines out of uh, Agramons in the area. Yeah, yeah, that was cool too. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Great fun. Yeah, I mean, just ripping out anyone's spines, fun. Yeah, and then they just turn into sludge. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. 
It's one of the rare few bosses you can actually fight with four people if you can manage mm. to actually connect to them. Mm. Man, if only I knew four people. <laughs> oh yeah, the crossover system. Knew one person. Yeah, it's a cool idea, but it's very rarely used. Mm. Yep, and DMC Five also tried to use it as well, and is also a rare thing. So I don't know. I, hopefully, Capcom gets the system right in the future, but I I just feel like it's in short supply for how they utilized it. Uh, but speaking of mechanics, we're gonna talk about the guns and the combat and how they felt. Did you like or dislike the weapon variety in the combat? There's one thing I want to point out. Them adding parries to this game brought a whole new dynamic. I, I just yeah. love an enemy jumping at me like a bloodshot and doing like a counter suplex and killing it. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, that's like, really like that's, that's a... Okay, see, I'm I had sorry. an issue with the quick time events though. Like, I said on the, on the origins, even if you press a button on Q, sometimes the game just will not register it. So I'm thinking yeah. that this is quite a bit of lag, you know what, like, integrated with the quick time events. Yeah, like, I, honestly, even today I'm still discovering stuff about RE6. Like, the bloodshot thing I didn't know about, and I thought that was cool. What? But yeah, the combat's how, how probably the like best a, in terms of the like action game. Yeah. No, yeah, the fact that he jumps at you and you could just parry him and kill it. Uh that's one of the cool things about the game. And also I think if you stun him, you'll do uh they have these moves called coup de gras, which is like a special finisher. So Leon would do like mm. a back kick where he would yell at like he would make this loud sort of lion yell when he kicks someone. And that was uh, a coup de gras, and that's like a heavy stunner finisher that you could do to certain people. Uh, so yeah. I, I thought that was nice. It was a nice. But I will dish. say, I will say, honestly, it's probably the best combat system the series has ever had mm -hmm. by far. Mm -hmm. For action, yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, for action, for action-oriented RE, it's the best it's ever been. Like I disagree I, with that notion, because honestly, the game just does not flow well a lot with its mechanics. I mean, I, in in terms of their options and, and the stuff you could do, I mean, like I said, five was great, but the fact that I could move and shoot and parry and just do all this crazy yeah. shit. Yeah, that's... options is fine. Execution is just the issue. Like, it's so-so. It, like, thank God we can move and shoot now. I don't yeah. know. I never had this problem of the execution yeah. or lag of the I will... quick time. Mm. I will admit there is some funny stuff like the fact that you can jump back and just crawl up the ground for no reason. Like I, yeah, I, I felt quick time. I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I felt like quick time events were more annoying in cutscenes than they are in gameplay. Mm. Like just yeah. some yeah, like rem like remember to like you know to pre you know when you're like oh you got to disable this like machine you got to press. You gotta press the button like three or four times on and you better not screw it up. Yeah, that part yeah. for Chris was annoying. I I don't mm. like quick time events to begin with, but I honestly like you guys were talking about at the top of the podcast, uh, like a cover system. I totally forgot there was a cover system in this game. I totally forgot you could parry in this game. Um the options are good. Uh, but like uh, Hassan saying, it's just not, it's, it's clunky. It's all put together, super clunky. Nothing feels like a good flow, uh, like something like Resident Evil uh, 4 does. Like there's just no flow to the combat at all. Um, even Resident Evil 5, um, 
does it a little bit better i think um i i think i think it's 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 like the the gameplay mechanics and the and the gunplay and everything the combat suffers from the same thing the story and the game in general does where it's just trying to do too much at one time and it makes it all fall apart or just not feel like it's put together very well see i i like oh, the combat i like the combat side like once again when people jump at me i parry them or i do heavy stuns i just totally got that mechanic it's like it's snapped and ingrained in my head like that's fine but i can tell you i don't like the cover system i don't know what they were thinking where it's like you snap into cover like glue and you have to press like six buttons to peek out and sort of uh like aim at the opponents or whatever i don't like that and I know someone compared it to Gears of War earlier, but I think Gears did that better, where it's like, is one context button, you just run up, press A, take cover, and you can pop up and do uh, blind fire, or you can just pop out of cover. It's easy to do, whereas this one, they decided, hey, let's put six buttons where you move around and you sort of aim out of cover, and then you have to sort of uh, press the up analog stick that's just really annoying so there's some symmetry in what you can do and then in other parts where it should be relevant to being a third person shooter is not yeah there's just so many games from this era that resident evil 6 borrowed from uh, that they there's so many other games that resident evil 6 borrows from that do what resident evil 6 was trying to borrow from them then they just do it so much better gears of war does the cover system better uh other games do parry systems better uh even from this era so it, I, I think it stands out a lot more in resident evil 6 on how poorly uh things are done so um yeah i i i couldn't mesh with it i, I also don't like the um and I don't didn't like this in five either, but the uh, the pop up kind of menu that that comes up um, in the middle of the action. So trying to change weapons or equip a grenade or use a healing item in the middle of all the chaos, I understand it heightens the tension and increases the stakes for any given moment. But I think it detracts far more than it adds. Uh, I hate those kind of uh, contextual um, menus that pop up on screen in the middle of action. Uh, and I don't think they ever really work out well because it goes back to that thing of having um, one button to do too many things. I mean, on console, you can use D-pad to uh, quick switch to guns in Resi 5. Yeah, yeah I mean, don't a lot of yeah. games use one button and it, they do it right though like i don't think you need to have different buttons do too many different things at least for environmental like things i think this is just know. kind of a fault of well with five and six you kind of gotta play with a human so you can't pause the game so they decided to make this inventory system where you can map out things granted i think it's a little bit easier to do in six than five because it's like if you don't have things mapped to left right up and down then you have to basically stand there in real time and do them in the menu where it's like anything could attack you if you're not safe so it's a little bit of micromanagement Mm. Well, I think a lot of Resident Evil games, six included, are also somewhat products of the time. And in from that, in that sense, I mean like what other games were doing at the time, and them trying to like either compete or do their version of it. 
So like, I mean, I don't really know what was around at the time of the first bunch of Resident Evil games, but I mean, it was maybe similar to other stuff, but then four kind of reinvented it. And then five, I feel like was doing what other shooters at the time were sort of doing. And then six was like, yeah, let's, you know, they're improving on their formula. Let's kind of do our version or our take on their improvements. And then seven came along and was, was like, Oh, everybody loves this PT thing. So let's, uh, let's reinvent it again and make our version of PT. And it's like, ah, just, you know, stick with what you had was good, but seven was good. So, I mean, everything up to four, I don't think was really emulating anything other than itself. Um, and, but five onwards for sure, you know, five and six with the action, um, the cover systems, the parries, all of that. Then, like you said, seven with the, uh, kind of the walking simulator situation, um, uh, I think that's why eight is so good. Um, not to kind of talk about too many other Resident Evil games, but, um, Eight, I think, is a nice middle ground between the walking simulator that seven is, um, the horror that those first zero through three are, and the action of five and six, four, five, mm-hmm. and six, I should say. So, um, like, eight well, feels like games, a combination of all that. Horror games seem to evolve over time because I don't know if, if new ideas are, are made or if old ideas become stale or both maybe um and we definitely see that with resident evil um tr- tr- like I, I isn't resident evil one of the longest running horror video game franchises so yes. that's probably why their formula changes so much because the idea of horror seems to constantly change and it seems at one point around the time of five and six they weren't quite sure i guess like what to do although personally i loved five and i think six was still a decent game even if it even if like people are a lot of people's arguments are that it it wasn't a good resident evil game and i'm like okay but was it a good game and sometimes they're like yeah i mean it definitely had its faults but it would have been a good action game with horror elements otherwise if it didn't have the resident evil name tag to it like you could say the same thing about dmc people disliked it because it was like trying to be a devil may cry game it's like well if you take the the title of dmc and just call it like demon man or something and it's like oh this is a cool like new concept (laughs) so i don't know i i don't think it was i think a lot of people get um upset about what resident evil 6 was for being a resident evil game yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where uh, I'm caught in between two two positions because as much as I want Resident Evil to just be Resident Evil like they like the first games were, I always appreciate them trying something new in like they did when five and six. Like I want them to try new things. I don't want them to be afraid to experiment yeah. with the IP. Like I'm gonna buy every single game. I'm gonna play every single game, whether it's good or bad. Um, but you you do have your favorites. Like in six mm-hmm. is just not one of my favorites. Yeah, I didn't dislike yeah. six, and and I think because I loved the mercenaries so much that. I liked six a lot because it had the mercenaries and it was just like the mercenaries 2.0 for me because it was a different take on it for all the other reasons I mentioned before with the lack of environmental uh, 
interactions, but the inclusion of all these new melee options. So Resident Evil 6 to me was Mercenaries 2.0. It is absolutely going going into what you guys were talking about a minute ago about um, the games changing with the times. It has absolutely been mentioned before, even on this podcast, and as recently as Resident Evil 5 that was just a few weeks ago, that these games have evolved with time and changing trends and i hadn't really thought about it as much from that perspective until to be honest it was shadow that brought it up to me during like five and i was like yeah, you know it's got a really good point there and a, a, another good very prime example of the series changing with times and adapting is when the walking dead um telltale series popularized episodic content and then, obviously, we had <laughs> Revelations. Revelations. Going episodic. Yep. Yeah. Mm. But um, I do want to agree with two earlier points that were mentioned here, absolutely, both from um, Ren and Brendel. One, not even Jesus could save that cover system. It's a mess. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I'm sure, Brendel, you, you had a criticism earlier. I'm trying to remember, because it was about five, ten minutes or so ago now. I'm trying to remember what... What was one of your earlier criticisms? Because I had a really good yeah, point no about it. it. Yes. Yes, combat was not... Despite them making it a much more liberal system in terms of you could do it on the fly without a QTE prompt being required, that free execution was executed so poorly. I really did prefer the much more tightened QTE kind of combat system that you had in and see it kind of watered down y yeah expanded yet at the same time so greatly uncoordinated in six not a not a huge fan of of that at all and um weapons fall into this um yes yes they do weapons fall into this question had a big gripe with weapons now if there's one place where I feel 6 actually falls short, comparatively to its direct predecessor, 5, it, it's the weapon front. Like, mm. in 5, you had such a unbelievable variety of weapons of many different types and categories to choose from that could be tailor-made to almost any situation, whereas in... Six with a few character exclusive weapons notwithstanding. It was pretty much just like, oh yeah, everybody's just basically getting a a, a much more limited reskinned variation of the same group of weapons with a few different functionalities. Say for example, you know, Leon's machine gun had an underslung grenade launcher built into it or he could dual wield but each shot while while dual wielding was a bit weaker or you know helena had the hydra shotgun so everybody just got the same kind of pull and it felt far shallower to me did anybody else notice that with the weapons or feel that way with the weapons or was it just me i uh, kind of yeah. disagree actually and i'm gonna explain oh, why the, the the reason why I disagree is because they have it is a wider pool of weapons for uh RE6 and I think this is due no in turn to the uh 
skill system that they introduced in this game uh where you had to put certain perks on guns in order to make them more efficient which is fine because i mean you can equate it to the upgrading system in re5 but to me personally they have a gun for each and every single scenario shotgun magnum sniper etc but there are characters that get exclusive weapons that are kind of weird like i think there's guns that only certain people get weapons only certain people get like sherry gets the baton but you can't use it as anyone else so that is the weird question that i thought of like why is there certain exclusive guns i guess to put variety in the gameplay of that character like but you can't use this weapon it's not interchangeable mm. which is kind of a little bit lame that's a uh, that's a pretty solid counterpoint actually i didn't necessarily look at it from that perspective so you know that that's pretty solid that's pretty solid yeah uh, personally though i'm not a fan of a lot of the weapons i i just dislike the the um idea of i can customize my characters to use whatever gun i want because some mm. characters have much better guns than others depending on the category or just altogether for example yeah. chris pierce and jake have probably the strongest loadouts in single player so um like chris for example has probably the best um handgun of course pierce because it's the same handgun right whereas like um helena and leon probably have some of the worst handguns yeah. Uh, see what else? Pierce has the best sniper rifle. Uh, Chris got a grenade launcher, but he has no magnum. But he's the only one with a grenade launcher. I think. No, I think um, what's his name? Jake has one. So like, there's so much, there's so much jumble of mess there. Like, there's no. Why well, they try to make everybody unique though? But there's lack of um. How can I put it though? The uniqueness of the loadouts is kind of more of a detriment than um than how it helps. Because since you get customized, you can give someone else a much better weapon than what they have as a preset. Yeah, I think they tried to offset that with skills. And we're going to talk about that for the Ooh. next question. But because there are certain skills, there's like, oh boy, that's I don't know about using that. But uh, I, I did like things like Handgun Master, where it's like it gives you a little bit more just a little bit you can upgrade that and sort of do things with leon like uh the whole akimbo style guns i i appreciated that but there is that sort of variety where it's like where is it for certain characters and why can't chris do this or why can't leon do this etc i understand they tried to do it to make the gameplay a little bit more varied for that character but ultimately in the end you will ask for a little bit more variety from it so i do get that part but for a situational thing, you do have a gun to sort of deal with everything, mostly in the game. If I look at it from a slightly more, um, I'll say colorful, you know, slight bit of a warm recollection perspective. Uh, when when I think it was Brendel just a second ago said that, you know, Chris and, oh, sorry, no, Leon and Helena in some aspects have some of the weaker parts of the loadout perhaps maybe in a, in a in a in a different time and place or somebody up in capcom's office was reflecting a, on the time in resident evil 2 when leon's in when leon's weapon loadout was basically aim at zombie press delete button and was like nah that needs turning down a bit perhaps maybe just a little mini segue for for fun for fun unless anyone has anything to add uh, for the skills? No, for um, I don't even remember the skills. The the weapons and, and the sort of uh combat. 
When when was their skills? I don't even remember skills. Skill, skills is the thing in the game. I guess we could segue because well, why not? Might as well. Yeah, because skills is the thing in the game where it's like you put it on your character to upgrade certain things. So, uh, for example, for Leon, if I want to do more damage to zombies, I'll put on something like Zombie Master, and then the damage will increase oh. each time you hit a zombie. Uh, they show it at the end of each chapter, too, where, like, once you upgrade your points, you can get more skills and put it on your character. You can only have, like, uh, three per mm-hmm. per character, so mm-hmm. you have to use it wisely. Um, uh, for a loadout, actually. Yes. Yeah. Loadout. Yeah. Three per yeah, and you can switch between during a chapter. Yeah, three per loadout. Yep. Uh, but still, it's like one of those things where it's like it's just there, and it gives you some incentive to upgrade your character. However, that being said, you still can't individually put like stuff on your guns, and then there's skills. Mm. There's skills in this game that is weird, like there's i don't know how you put this i would only reference this as something where it was in uncharted 2 where you could put on negative perks and the ai will not help you or you could put on negative things where it's like yeah if you want to go through this lone wolf without any assistance you could do that uh so they have masochist perks and they have perks where it's like it's actually beneficial there was a lone wolf mm. skill yes it was yep. where how did that work was with... lone wolf do if you put the your partner from helping um, you yeah they won't do any qtes if you're around enemies if you get grabbed and they'll just let you get eaten pretty much yep uh what's so the point like masochist mode um there there is um another skill that if you're down you do more damage or whatever so some i guess i remember correctly yeah there, the- there is a method to certain that particular skill though but honestly it's not worth it because kind of defeats the purpose of it to be told down but oh there's dead. one called shooting wild that removes your targeting sight but increases your firing power nice yep sounds good mm. then there's last shot then there's last shot which greatly increases the strength of your final remaining shot in your clip hmm that's good mm. as well imagine that on the magnum Oh, Jesus. Oh, I just remembered something hilarious from another Resident Evil game. Indulge, indulge. What what, what did you want to go? No. In in Revelations 2, in raid mode, you can get this this, uh, part that you can equip on your gun called Full Burst, which basically shoots out the whole clip all at once. Nice. Yeah, the first, yeah, the first shit. Um, God, it's so broken on the back snipers. Mmm. It's, it's so yeah. broken. <laughs> uh, but back yeah. to this game, had that skill? Revelations Revelations 2. 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know it was a 1, but 2 was, yeah. Yeah, it's a 1. Mm. Okay. I sadly what? never got all that creative when it came to um this goes also m- m- minor segue uh very very small one uh huge dead aim fanboy mm-hmm. will die on this hill be nice to dead aim moving on um <laughs> yeah, dead aim sucks Ooh, i'm getting the boxing gloves on getting the boxing oh, no. gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh yeah i sadly never got too creative with the skills as far as it goes i might 
in light of parts of this discussion, have to at least go back because I always went on to the, the generic options of stick a defense buff on, stick a zombie or juavo killer on, and stick an aim increaser on, and just be done uh, with it. I, so I, I, always went, I, I always went for uh, firearm. Um, I'm trying to think. I also went for the... Um, I think item drop increase. Hmm. And then... Um, Field Medic level 2. That's a good choice. Field Medic is pretty solid, actually, if you want to. um, That, yeah. that improves your healing capabilities, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's another very, very solid one. Especially, I'd say that's borderline essential if you're doing um on a single-player run and you're mm. not having a friend back you up, because between, between having the less competent AI and some of the... um. He designed flaws that are kind of aggravated by by virtue of the game being more lean towards a, a shared player experience with like two people. Say for example, ammo been all over the place and sometimes the enemy's been a bit jank and cheap. Having that having field medic there and the capacity for greater healing, I, I would say is actually very essential for a single player going mm. through. Uh, um, I was actually collecting a lot of the infinite ammo ones uh, recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you... having those and then being able to quickly switch your um your skill set that you're using just really helps if you like need a certain weapon for a certain thing. I will definitely have to. Like the the more we go into this, the the more I see that I kind of just dismissed it as a one and done. Definitely to my detriment now, in terms mm. of the sheer volume of them that are available, and just you know, yeah, go back at least for the last few parts of our stream session of it to really give a few more a try. So mm. yeah, this is this has actually been quite insightful. Yeah, that that's yeah. me as far as skills go. So yeah. All right, so we're. On the final two questions, final two. Oh wow! Which is way the we, final two? It's yeah. been almost four hours. Yeah. Four hours, yeah, twenty it's minutes. Like three in the morning. Jeez, <laughs> we've diverged. Yeah, three in the morning. Ooh, right, you guys? Because all of us on the clock here. Yeah. Yeah. Morning over here. We we are over yeah. the clock, but I'll, I'll I'll make the answers fast. So, um, let's see. Did you play Mercenaries Predator Mode? survivors onslaught all, all that extra stuff that came out with the what it was it i think it was an update originally and then it mm. was no it was dlc and then they yeah, included their, um it. their dlc the multiplayer stuff and then no hope difficulty was free yeah it was yeah free. i remember yeah. that and they included some quality of life changes like fov and stuff like that the quality of life was completely fine in my opinion uh mercenaries was i'm gonna I definitely played mercenaries i'm gonna go out on the record and said. say the best mercenaries of uh re in my opinion mm. it's fun yeah it's mm. second best I still it's, yeah, I I like the character. it's I, probably I, it's probably one of the best it's probably the best in the series by far since uh, it kind of captures that whole arcade feel I liked the more video game uh, feel to to five, the more like mini game feel to. I mean, I, I liked 
6's mercs like i said it was like mercs 2.0 it it like introduced new stuff and took away other stuff but i think personally 5 is still my favorite because of like the um the little the little things in the system you can abuse by like uh, instantly reloading by opening up your menu and manually reloading while you're like in a melee animation mm. you, that's not in six or or like well, i mentioned about no, um because of how they changed the reloading right or like i mentioned about um standing next to something like a ladder or a ledge where you have the option to, to jump or climb this way you can get out of like getting hit by something um when an enemy approaches you which isn't in six because if you're by a ledge or you're um you're uh, by a ladder you're gonna like stick to it and climb it mm. yeah but uh, i think so just those uh... little things was why i preferred five but um i still played a lot of sixes merc mercenaries because it, it was just like a different mercenaries it, it was fun it's mm. okay here's the still thing a lot of fun the, the melee is just so interesting and that's the incentive of six that is kind of addicting when you get into it plus there are things in five that they should have done that they didn't like i think no mercies mercenaries where you fight all the enemies together hmm. was only like single player uh, and yeah that's an unfortunate part okay but that's going into the ps4 side of things the update so if you're talking about the most current version of the versions then yeah you're correct about that yeah that, that's what i'm referring to it's like for six when you had that you could just sort of jump in with a friend and just play that in co-op and that was also crazy fighting like 300 enemies at the same time survivors i would say it sucks uh because this resident evil pvp and you have stun locking then you have onslaught which was all right you could send the enemies to the other side of the player's screen and it was like a mini game of okay who's gonna die first that was a nice way to do pvp without it being uh lame like survivors and then siege sucks uh that is basically protecting the vip while the other enemies will try to kill the vip and it's just really bad the ai does not listen to you sometimes so if he gets like stuck in a standstill he's pretty much dead uh and that was my experience on all the yeah modes, sorry yeah i felt like the multiplayer modes aside from mercenaries are kind of half-baked Mm. But like after you play them once, you really don't want to play them that much again. Nope. Yeah, I can admit it's very quick. I I, I never really touched them. Mer Mercenaries is solid as ever, and I played it yeah. a bit when I originally went through it, like when I was um younger. But um, you know, never played any of these additional modes. I'll give Mercenaries a replay probably once my stream sessions are done with it, but. Nah, never been one for any Resident Evil's on online modes, reverse, any of any of the stuff mm. that's you know like going on. It, I'm I'm there for the single player experience, but that's personal preference. Anyway, yeah, that that that's me. You know, keeping it quick. That's how I've yeah. been recently, because they've never been able to recapture the the what made Mercenary so great for me. Uh. I absolutely loved uh, Mercenaries No Mercy and Resi 6. Absolute freaking gore fa fest. Yeah, it can be very chaotic, though. Oh, I, it really helped me get some high scores, though. Yeah, right. keep it simple. Mark's really good. Everything else sucks. There you go. Yep. You didn't like Onslaught mm. mode? 
Uh, I'll see you get... Eh, nah. It's like the best... Hold on. It's the best multiplayer mode, but I still don't like mm-hmm. it. Doesn't oh, for me. oh, uh, yeah, damn. I don't know if I mentioned Predator, but that's the one with the Ustinat, right? Yeah, that 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 mode was cool. I like that where all the players have to sort of kill him, and uh, yeah. yeah, they could get captured or killed by him. I, I thought that was fine for what it was. Yeah, Ustinat mode. Yeah, was fun. Never played it. Wait, wait, did you guys um try to agent hunt um mode? Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Where oh, okay. you could uh, kill the player in the campaign. That was that was pretty cool for what it was. Um, I guess we could move on to the final one, which is the final verdict and score for RE6. I'm just going to go really quickly. I think this game, I don't know if I can put a score on this. I just would recommend it. If you are a hardcore fan of the series, I, I would not suggest like just skipping it because of all the details that they have advancing past re5 however that being said there is some jank to it you will it is the most content rich package going forward with resident evil that is no lie from capcom i think they were telling the truth there uh at the same time it is a matter of quantity over quality and you start to fill it when you start to get the jake's campaign assuming you do it in order it's a lot of fun to be had. I, I think the people rib on this game a lot and reasonably so in spots because there is a lot of Michael Bay explosions and quick time events that is there. At the same time, it is a guilty pleasure and I would recommend picking it up in terms of content features, but you will get burnt out on that campaign sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it like a seven. I think it's really fun, even if it's very rough. But, and there is, like, and it is kind of bloated, and they, def- like Rent said, they did go more qu- more quantity over quality, but it's still very fun to play. I think a mm. 7 is pretty fair, nothing higher or lower. Actually, I want to go next. Uh, just keep it brief, though. Um, I definitely, I definitely, um, definitely have a better opinion of the game now compared to yesteryear, but overall, though, it's not a game that I will pick up and play casually. I'd rather play with friends, so... I do agree with Renda. I suggest you play it. You know, if you're a fan of the series, play it. Try it out yourself. Get your own key on it. But overall, though, this game's a miss, but I'll play it with someone else. So I'm not going to give a score, honestly, because uh, it's hard to gauge this game in particular with a score. Yeah. Uh, I could go next. I'll probably, if I had to give it a number, I'd probably give it a six. Um, So, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. It, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah like that that's what's in my mind um that's all i can really say about it i, I would recommend it mm. for certain people but like you said hardcore fans um if you're trying to get the full story of resident evil go for it but other than that nah yeah um well right. I, I i i'd have to say that uh resident evil 6 is a game <laughs> that's it Period. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. No, no, it's it's actually like pretty fun with what it is, and like with a friend, you can have an absolute blast in this game. I mean, I've played it with quite a few different people. We've had a lot of fun. I now have I no one else to play. <laughs> I now have no one to play it with because uh, the main person I was playing it like resident evil games with recently uh we had a bit of a falling out so mm. but uh yeah this game's great i i would 
I, I actually, like, I did a tier list for Resident Evil games a while ago, and I think I put this in, like, A or B, because I, I absolutely love it. I've, I've had a blast playing it. Mercenaries is great. And the story does have some eh to it, but, you know, still a really great game. Um, I, I take it I'm going to be last here, then. <laughs> I, I haven't gone yet, but I'll go last if you, no, unless you no, want to go no, last. No. I, I'm, I'm happy to go last, that, and I can't, I'm trying to type <laughs> one-handed. So go ahead, <laughs> you're fine. Okay, um, I mean, like I'd mentioned earlier, it was the first, uh, the, the first, like, new, or actually the second new Resident Evil, um, after, to me, after I played five and, and like, went through you know went through all the games and then played five and it was the first for me that i was expecting to be like what's the new arc um it didn't really follow up on that but that's not a fault of six that's just a fault of the future games and how they were written um for being like it was kind of like the dessert after the main course of five where like we just finally concluded everything with umbrella and now it's like now all the toys get to play with each other and it's like oh now chris like how can they top five? Oh, now chris and leon get to meet so for me it was like pretty good it definitely had its flaws and its faults but i still played like the crap out of it um i don't know if i can give it a number um if i did it would be on the higher end Probably not a 10, but probably not less than a 7. So probably for me, somewhere in there. It wasn't perfect, so I don't think it's a 10. Just, But I just had so much fun with it, so probably either a 7 or 8 or a 9 pushing it. And then Wesker would have to say that it's a 0 because there's no Wesker in it. Ah! My son had to be in it and not me. It's a zero. <laughs> I told you that's great. <laughs> that's, that's still impressive. It is still very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Now, <laughs> there's a reason I went last. And if anybody in this chat knows, oh God, indeed. Yeah. If anybody in this chat knows how vocal a critic I have been of this game, it is probably Ren by way of some of my discussions in the Discord and some of my tweets. I have been a vocal critic of this game for many, many years. In fact, I, I, I'm going to give preface here of just how vocal a critic I've been. Like, I did a tier list of, of all the Resident Evil games I'd played on, on my channel a while back, like last year time. Yeah, Resident Evil 6 was at the very bottom. <laughs> so, Ouch. however, and this is where the however comes in and why I wanted to go last, was because of some advice from the the folks on the Discord, I I picked up and continued my playthrough because I was I was gonna give it up. This this has context to my score, by the way, don't worry. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna give up on it completely. I was like, yeah, you know, would it be a sin? I even remember putting in the Discord to fris to take this disc out of my drive and frisbee out the window. It's driving me absolutely oh, mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Ren literally knows how hostile I, I have been towards this game, mm -hmm. and he came out and, and he came out and he was like, "Dude, no, 
it takes some advice from me, and a couple of other people supported him on this as well. Give it, give it another shot, maybe play it with a friend, it will improve some of the issues you're having and make it a better experience. Mm. So that's exactly what I've done. Got one of my mods on board, as I've been saying, and in the process of replaying it. And I'm going to actually say now that by doing it that way, it has improved my opinion somewhat. Like, it's, it's okay. I'm never going to play it casually. It's not one of those things I'm going to come back to play casually. But it's alright. Okay to play with a friend. If I was to give it a numbered score, it's pretty much gone from unrateable because I was so critical of some of its design choices and the direction of the plot to, to kind of middle of the road. Give it a 5, give it a meh. And it's definitely going up on my, my tier list as well from, from rock bottom to... Dude, I'm going to own up to my mistake here. I was too harsh. Putting it below things like Operation Raccoon City, <laughs> some of the spin-offs, and that kind of thing. I don't made a fuck up. And any any of the channel people that watch these podcasts as well are hearing it now from me live. I I have made a fuck up and I'm willing to walk <laughs> it back. It's because I, I have gotten flack for this opinion. You know, it's it's okay. I'm fine with it. It's going to be mediocre at best. There's a lot wrong with it. But if you play it with a friend, as was recommended to me, it is indeed a reasonable experience, and it's middle of the road at best. So, yeah. There we go. It can't be worse than Umbrella Core. That's like, no way. Ooh, not, that, yeah, that's another one for like, another Umbrella game. Core is, like, bottom of the barrel, and then slightly yeah. above it is Operation Raccoon City. Yeah. Hey. Oh, boy. I haven't played... Umbrella uh, Core, and I was like, I should try this because apparently it's canon. No, so. don't. I, I've had people. I've I've had all the the shit lords in my chat, like Silver Wen's Operation Raccoon City coming, and I'm just like, probably gonna take sandpaper to my nutsack before that. <laughs> hey, look, if you need a partner for that game, sounds like you know, fun. I, I platinum the game. I know the pain. The <laughs> oh my god, the struggle. I don't know why you had put yourself through that, though, Brandon. Oh, love, man. I was technically paid to do it, so, hey. I got a free game out of it. <laughs> well, Fair enough. the sandpaper to the nutsack outside of that, uh, we can do these outros. I don't know about that. Clapping but... sandy cheeks, man. That's all it is. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, will, I will outro the Brits, because I know they're tired. So, uh, Riolu, is that your name? Could you do your outro, please, sir? <laughs> um, I I haven't really done an outro for this before, so let's plug like all your content and where we can find you. Um, you can find me uh on YouTube, uh Divine Rayolu. Um, also Twitch.tv slash Divine Rayolu. I have not streamed there currently. I've been meaning to. <laughs> um, you can also find me on Twitter at Divine Rayolu. <laughs> But um, really annoyed that I no longer have an Instagram. <laughs> still, uh, hmm. That's a steal one, man. That's all you need to do. That's still, oh, one. No. Uh, uh, my Instagram got hacked, and then uh, it it got taken down. Oh damn! <laughs> you know yeah, hack them back. <laughs> Next anyway, up, is... uh, th this has been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I'm I'm trying to get to uh, Mr. Ginge over here. Uh, Mr. Mm. Britton, 
get into it. outro yeah. yourself good sir okay so yeah so you can find me on twitter at blitzginge um i won't plug my youtube because i haven't uploaded in there in over a year but yeah twitter blitzginge um and uh yeah again really good time and it was really interesting to hear everyone's opinions i don't about to die man go to sleep <laughs> yeah. 22 hours awake please leave me alone <laughs> yes you can go to sleep now it's okay uh silver outro yourself good sir and can you glad i am so glad I, just quickly i am so glad i had a two-hour nap before this because uh -oh. i wouldn't have made it otherwise my my worries from earlier came true it's a good job i had that nap but yeah okay you guys can find me on silver gaming network over on youtube i'm i'm exclusively a youtube streamer and you can also find me over on twitter at silver gaming zero one currently doing a resident evil 6 co-op stream with my modern friend mr jonathan and also playing through resident evil 4 on professional if you like that gonna be a good time please join us we're happy to have new people thanks guys just subscribe to you mate <laughs> <laughs> next up Thank is you very much. next up is drew morrow hey um well i have a few different names on social media uh i, I my youtube i think it's diamond death d-i-a-m-o-n-d-d-e-a-t-h um but then i use the drew maru like almost everywhere else usually there's drew maru and underscore comics um I have been uploading little shorts on my YouTube, and uh, I started a new series, and I have a, a video editor now who, where I'm just talking about timelines and games, and uh, Resident Evil is one of the ones I want to tackle. Um, and as far as, as far as this podcast, this is my first, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I was able to join it, although it ran a lot longer than I thought it was going to run. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, I'm not in Britain, though, but... <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's yeah. it's not even midnight yet but you know <laughs> oh i envy you oh, oh reference there is light coming there there is sunlight i am seeing the sun rising oh, why outside why do you do that end. now i looked oh, at the curve. <laughs> yeah, i can see it sun is rising <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh, sorry guys <laughs> next up is Zara. Yeah, you can find me on Twitch most of the time, streaming. Uh, if you just search Zamzara there, you could find me. You search Zamzara on any of the socials, you could find me. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, you could find me. Uh, stream a lot of, right now I'm doing a lot of like Soulsborne stuff, but I love Resident Evil and horror games. So that's kind of where I land, but I do all kinds of stuff. I, I play all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out my content, that's where to find it. Drobit? Yeah, you can find me uh Drobit777 at Twitter. That's really where I'm only active at. This went on a lot longer than I thought, but that's fine. Brandon. Uh yes, um the late bloomer, fortunately. Uh as well. You can catch me, of course, here in AFAM Syndicate, but you can catch me on Twitter at Immortal Brandle, Twitch at um Sarah Brandle, and everyone else is not your damn business. Don't ask. Alright, and you can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative, you can find me on Twitch at Renegade underscore Operative, and you can find me on Twitter at Rent Operative underscore. Uh, I just uploaded... And yeah, and OnlyFans as Rent Operative, you know. Uh, but outside <laughs> yeah. of jokes, you know. 
I just uploaded some videos on the Co-Veronica sort of remake and how people are clamoring over that and wanting that. This one? Yeah, I, well, no, I, I was just sort oh. of making like an opinion piece on why oh, Capcom okay. chose RE4 over it. And I also uploaded my DMC tier list, so you can check that out. This mm. podcast will uh, probably be up later in the week because I also got to focus on Street Fighter tomorrow with the uh, other fellows. I'm just going to be recording them, but yeah. Yeah, all right. That's, I'll that's... make sure to go to Ren's channel and dislike them. Oh, uh, yeah. You, all right, free, right. Like, you know, that's just free engagement. I'll, I'll take that. Um, report. <laughs> report. Uh, spam. <laughs> But we're yeah, we're gonna sign off because uh, currently we have people in the EU that are uh, facing sunlight like vampires. So uh, this was a fun podcast, <laughs> and hopefully you guys join us for the next one. Yeah, and later. remember, guys, remember Wesker nutted and then he left. Wesker nutted. <laughs> I nutted and then I left.